everybody out there in comic book land. My name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don, and if you're listening to this, you could only be here for one reason, and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast brought to you by Comic Book Click, and as you know, I am never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. I am Dan, the comic book movie man today, ladies and gentlemen. Dan, the comic book movie man, is here in studio, and he is not alone. Other sir, please introduce yourself. How's it going? It's Yogi here, a.k.a. Uh, well, nah, uh, Jonathan, a.k.a. Yogi. My mom doesn't call me, mom doesn't call me Yogi. <laughs> we'll get there soon. Don't worry. Jonathan, a.k.a. Yogi, is here in the house. And we are all, we're feeling all nostalgic here because we are one week away from Avengers Endgame, which is <sighs> four days. Four days. Four yeah, it's, days. It's bananas. And um, by the time this comes out, we we will... Be less than 24 hours from watching the film. And so we decided to go back uh, to the first Avengers film, the Avengers film that came out in 2012, and see how we felt about it um, all these years later, seven years later, considering Jesus, how seven much. years. Yeah, it's only been, I mean, seven years is long, but in con- con- consideration of how many films have come out with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, it sounds uh, like seven years is like nothing with all these films, but it's it's still like... Some films take seven years for a sequel. Yeah. One sequel. So considering um, how many uh, Marvel films we've gotten since Avengers and all that. Um, but I guess we'll start off with our first impressions um, way back when, seven years ago. So, Yogi, how did you feel seven years ago when you first watched uh, Avengers? Okay, so when Avengers first came out, it was like... it. I felt a massive amount of anticipation going into it because it was like, whoa, we're going to see all these heroes on the same screen. It was like the first time I'd seen anything like that that wasn't a cartoon. So I went into it mega hyped and yeah. I came out of it. I, I came out of it the same. I was I was like blown away. Like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Uh, I mean, I still feel the chills that I felt back that I felt back then rewatching it now to get ready for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like, I still I still feel the. I still remember the applause in the theater when you get the first shot of all the Avengers. You know that circ, that spin around shot, that right. famous. Yeah, I still feel it. I love it. Uh, I loved it. Then, uh, uh, well, see, see, this is where I, it goes opposite for me because my very, very first impression of the Avengers was, I came out a little disappointed, really, because there was like maybe six movies before Avengers to build up yeah, the Avengers. Four or five movies, yeah. So we had all of the stories coming together. So I didn't need any more. I, I just, I, I, as at that point, I just wanted to see Avengers kicking so much ass. Okay. And I, I guess I was like, wasn't old enough, even though I was twenty. I was still right. wasn't old enough to in, <laughs> to fully enjoy what I was seeing. I didn't understand what Feige was doing and what Marvel Studios was doing. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of kick myself in the ass sometimes especially rewatching the movie with you not too right. long ago it's like i wish that when i first watched it i had the chills that i had when i first saw the avengers logo come on screen right well your biggest issue initially was um them fighting right yeah them, and a lot uh, uh, I, I i did not understand why they would fight i just i, I just wanted a team together right. And now off I the, see, like, sometimes, you know, teams don't always see eye to eye. Sometimes people that don't want to be in the team see eye to eye. Yeah. And really, Avengers, the first one, kind of gave birth to Civil War. It gave yeah. birth well, to... Well, there's a lot of seeds from that first movie. And I, I wouldn't be surprised well, if we see a lot of stuff from there, too. Go ahead, Yogi. 
I would say that's that's a bit of a like a like a superhero trope though. Like when heroes first meet each other, they usually misunderstand each other and fight. Yeah, and I was actually thinking of it. Justice League when with Wonder Woman and Batman. Uh, well, see, this was our first. Scuffle. This was our first like. Yeah. All, all around. This was our first love. Even they, like, like, the together film. Yeah. No, yeah, cartoons. If you think about Justice League Unlimited, especially. Well, like yeah, you know, you see Cyclops and Wolverine go at it sometimes, and you have um. Fantastic Four, sometimes uh, uh, you have Ben. Oh, but, and, um, yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, I mean, like, usually when you get, like, these crossovers of characters that haven't interacted before, like when, when uh, Spider-Man met the X-Men, and they're like, what the heck is this? What is he doing? And they're, like, trying to fight him. Or when he met the Fantastic Four, and they, like, tried to fight him, and he's trying to impress them with the bag. It, yeah, it's they, like... They did it in a super short way um, in Infinity War with like the Guardians and Spider-Man and stuff like that when they first yeah met. yeah exactly See, yeah, yeah and I didn't under and I didn't understand that stuff like that is what came from Avengers like right. that fight in the park is what gave birth to the Avengers versus Guardians for a few minutes the the misunderstanding the we don't know that we're all after the same guy we, we just, know as fans yeah that everybody and I can't page, look but... in a, in a, like an army president perspective like i have to understand these people don't know who they are yeah they don't know each other the way we know that they know <laughs> they knows <laughs> and that's <laughs> what the, the beautiful part about this movie is that it's all of it's something from every movie that we've seen before avengers come yeah. together in some way you have loki's you have a thor's villain with loki you have captain america's MacGuffin with with the tesseract you have stark's building being the centerpiece and hulk being part of loki's plan to yeah. break up the avengers so everybody is part of the story in an important way yeah I um I saw this movie. It was odd. I was um just coming back from uh, overseas and getting out of the military in general, and I liked it. Um, I was impressed because I didn't really like any single one of these characters. I would say over Spider Man, over Batman, um, stuff like that. So I I didn't really expect much. Oh, Mister Captain and America didn't really. No, no, I wasn't really a, a, a cat fan. Um, to, to that be much fair, like to be point. fair. To be fair to you, it's like not many people did like these were like B and C list characters before these movies came out. Like yeah. you know they they and were to put be together cared about like this yeah. crazy to how they're now respected and beloved more than our A and B our A characters like Spider Man, Superman, and Batman. Yeah, easily. Um, and they, that's what they did. They did a lot. They did a good job informing people and and getting it pretty accurate, getting it pretty right. Um, with a lot of these characters, these what. Well, are now A-list elite characters, um, you know, formerly B-list characters. They they took a gamble on on them, and um, I did like what came out of it, and I was ready for a lot more of it. And this is when we start seeing like this shift in technology with these like 4K and and um, uh, higher definition and ultimate definition. So I remember like when the DVD for this dropped and 4K TVs first dropped, and they were showing all Avengers all the time, and it was just. So beautiful. Yeah, you see the scratches and, on the costumes. You yeah, see all the that. dirt the, rubble in the air. The, how the light reflects. And even even the Hulk, like, that was a an achievement in itself because people weren't 100% sold on every Hulk, um, you know, CGI iteration. And I think that uh, the <laughs> Avengers were. one was pretty solid. That's a that's a podcast for another day if we, if we ever cover those two together. But this thing, uh. this, this juggernaut, uh, directed by Josh Whedon, Produced by Kevin Feige with music by Adam Silvestri, on a budget of two hundred and twenty million, made one point five one nine billion dollars. Sixth highest grossing movie of all time. Yes. Jeez. Uh, at the time of release, it broke opening weekend for any film at two hundred and seven million, 
Opening week for two hundred and seven million in a weekend. Open, oh my weekend. god! Um, opening week for any film two hundred and seventy million. <laughs> um, May opening with two hundred and seven million. Opening for any superhero film uh, two hundred and seven million, and then highest grossing uh, for a very long time until uh, Black Panther showed up. And uh, yeah, I think Iron the Iron Man trilogy and the Avengers trilogy right now are the only two like comic book movies that are on like the top ten. Highest grossing movies of all time. Yeah. But talking a little bit about that gamble that what we were talking about, um, you know, Marvel, Marvel's financial difficulties in the 90s is something that we speak about often because it's most it's the mostly the reason why characters like Spider-Man are out of their hands at the moment. Um, and, you know, having to go through those financial difficulties, they go ahead and they license out their characters. Um, and other people make their movies, so the Spider-Man movies still get made, the X-Men movies still get made, Blade, and then Marvel gets a little bit of a residual, um, you know, uh, profit from that. Uh, but the thing is, when Spider-Man 1 and 2, you know, like combined, gross $3 billion, and Marvel only gets $62 million out of that oh deal. Oh my god. Or, or when Blade grosses $72 million. And Marvel gets twenty five thousand dollars. What out of that deal? Wait, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's it, not even a percentage. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, how were there? How big was that number back then? Though was like, was that like an impressive number back? Yeah, then? Yeah, 72 million. In, well, twenty five thousand. My my thing is like I. This is these are characters. I'm assuming that they did not have the money to do anything with. So I guess it's all it's like selling your clothes in your closet. Like if somebody then, else is it, making money ex- off of them, yeah, then I it, guess they're making money while you sleep, but. I, this is not enough money for that. I don't think. No, no. Twenty five thousand dollars in nineties money is is, is nothing. Twenty five thousand dollars. That's oh my god, it's crazy. That's um, terrible. And so before the MCU, as we know it, even kicked off, uh, Marvel decides that with Artisan, they're going to turn fifteen properties into like movies, TV shows, and stuff. They're like, screw it. Together we'll do it, and we'll split the profits. And um, this is a deal that Avi Arad actually kind of helped. Uh, that genius man uh, come together where Artisan was going to foot the bull- bill on all the production and Marvel was going to give them the licensing properties with the them going to, sh- you know, those two sharing the profits and stuff. And so um, all these films were going to have like a low to moderate budget in comparison to like the ones that we know, like X-Men and Spider-Man and stuff. But uh, they were set to include like Cap, Deadpool, Iron Fist, Morbius, um, Man-Thing, <laughs> a long shot. Uh, Power Pack, <laughs> Ant Man, and the Punisher. I'd actually. What do you guys would, think would, about those properties? I would there? actually like the some Power Pack. Would have been the Power Pack would have been great for kids. I think. Hell yeah, yeah, I would love that. I wonder what uh, I wonder what Deadpool would have been like back then. Yeah, probably not what we have now. Which makes me wonder <laughs> what like, Mobius would have been like back then, like back when like you know leather fetish and the dark brooding was Morbius? part of. The- I don't even know. That's that's, that's exactly what it would have been too. It would have been a. Sp- it probably would have been a sp- like a blade. It's like I remember. Like, like, yeah. It's like Hellboy Wait, now, but Mobius. What year was this? Was this like before the vampire obsession? This is like in two thousand and three. I mean, like 2002, 2003. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Or like the Twilight. You're talking about like, the, like in the, the Twilight thing, era? <laughs> the thing, the think, of the, think of the Electras and the Daredevils and the Ghost Riders. Some but, of these characters would have fit in perfectly. Besides like a cap, I, I can see like Iron Fist and stuff. A lot of these characters seem kind of like they're digging at the bottom of the barrel. And I guess like Longshot, you know, you could do a movie with like a, a different kind of movie. Cap, you know, and Punisher. Yeah, how many people respected Captain kind of America before at least at least Winter Soldier? But the thing is, 
I don't think an early Cap movie without the strength of the MCU and what came to follow with the Avengers and stuff, I don't think that would have worked at all. Like a 2005 Cap movie? It it didn't. We already had that early Cap movie. Oh, yeah, with the 1990s. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But a 2005, like, Ryan Felipe starring. Oh, my God. Of course you pull that name out of the hat because that's who they would cast for Captain America is Ryan Felipe. I don't know if if that would have worked. But... The, another thing was that Iron Man was still at New Line, because New Line kept saying that they were gonna make a movie with it, but it it, it just wasn't working. It was like in development hell. Um, that sucks because so, New Line Cinema would have been would have taken over a good Iron Man movie. And that deal that Artisan made with Marvel didn't really like just disappear or whatever because um, after Lionsgate bought Artisan, they used the Marvel deal to make Punisher Warzone and Man Thing, which is a movie that we should probably cover on like which is worse or something like that. It's one of those. Uh, is it only like it had the most prominence on the sci-fi? Channel. Well, when is the Man Thing TV show coming out? Because oh, Swamp Thing, the t- television show comes out. I mean, yeah, when's the Swamp Thing? Oh boy, May. yeah. Let's not even talk about what happened there. I was so excited for that, man. I still got fingers crossed that all oh, that's gonna work out. I'm hoping. I'm I mean, hoping. I I don't see it happening. I mean, once you you hear about creative differences causing the end of production, and they're like, we're still gonna put it out. Don't worry about and it. We've heard that on no. the DC side of things before. Well, that's how you get just. That's how you get stuff like Justice League. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we, we're, talk, we're, we're talking about a better superhero team, but um, yeah. So that artisan deal, it, it kind of works, right? Like you could probably do something with, like, like I said again, Iron Fist and Deadpool and stuff. But ultimately, what ended up happening was in two thousand and three, talent agent uh, David Mizell, uh proposed that Marvel should make their own movies under their own banner, keeping the profits and expanding their stories into a connected kind of universe. So um, Merrill Lynch. Uh, lent Marvel $525 million to make these movies under their own banner. And Marvel used that money to buy back some characters that they didn't fully have. And some of those characters were Iron Man, Black Widow, Thor, and the Hulk. Wow. So not wow. having that, not choosing to go out on their own, like how they just went with the Artisan deal, they would have been just the kind of making... You know, they would have never had an Avengers movie. That would have been they would have never how, how, the, that been how does the um, how does the deal work in regards to the Hulk? Because I know that uh, I think like uh, Universal still has their their hands on that. Yeah, Universal has make... the rights for uh, the distribution of a solo Hulk, Hulk film. Oh, okay. So as long as they still, they as long as they have the rights to a solo Hulk film, Hulk can keep up. Uh, and is that why we get so many Avenger. like sporadic but... small scenes of Hulk? Well, you get they, they're doing the best with what they can, but they can't make a full out movie of them. Universal. So the first. closest thing we'll get from an MCU like property is Ragnarok. It's like a yeah. Ragnarok. The closest. Yep. 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 Well, uh, Mark, Mark Ruffalo has um, been interviewed, and he's gone on to say that after speaking to um, like the Russo brothers and stuff, that they've decided that although he can't get his own movie, they asked him what his kind of movie would be like, and they split that version of his movie in between Ragnarok, Infinity War, and Endgame. Oh, and so so that arc, so Mark Ruffalo's to blame to why I don't like <laughs> well, like Hulk in Infinity War. Okay, well, well, think about it. it if you look at it you in don't? that scope, in Infinity War, there's no, no, I don't like. There's Hulk. no Hulk in there. No, there's I mean, no Hulk to Bruce like ba- in that movie. Bro, bro, Bruce Banner. <laughs> well, that's my point. Besides the fact that there's no Hulk to like, Bruce Banner just seemed like he was just going off on a limb with all this comedy, and it's like, well, well, that's the thing. You had one movie that was full Hulk, one movie that was full Banner, and as rumors seem to be, you know, boiling up. We might get a half and half Hulk for. Uh, I actually, I actually like that uh, Hulk because I guess the story is like Hulk was like, you know, fuck, screw you, I'm not coming out to deal with yeah, your stuff. I yeah. got, I got punched in the throat. 
You know, like, I don't want to deal with a scared Hulk. He, that's, that was my impression of it. Like, when you see his face when Thanos is holding both his wrists, he looks scared. I need you to understand that Thanos has knocked the Hulk unconscious in the past. Okay, like, he should be scared. (laughs) Comics wise, then, then, oh my God, like, I think I love Thanos now. Uh, they, They went around and they said, you know, they come out and to say that he wasn't scared. So the only other thing. That it could be, it's like uh, Yogi said, just, just like defiance, like just a child saying, "Yeah, I don't want to go." Like, like that's your problem. You might be scared. <laughs> the child might be scared and not want to go to, let's say, the dentist. But right now, it's the tantrum part, not the crying part yet. Just the, I'm not going. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of like putting your foot down on it, uh, kind of deal. But yeah, they ended up buying back Iron Man, Black Widow, Thor, and Hulk. Um, and if the MCU deal didn't work, Marvel would have had to have sold all the rights to all their characters because they held them all as collateral. So, um, this, uh, was like, no one was even bothered by this. Like the head of Fox was like, oh yeah, we like competition. Like everyone can make their own comic book movies. Like, what do we care? Because the thought was like Iron Man, Thor, like that's not Fantastic Four. It's not X-Men. It's not Spider-Man. So like, it's going to be an uphill climb introducing like these lower level characters to the masses. And while it may have proved difficult, the MCU surely proved that it wasn't impossible. Um, because they were they were able to do it and before they were able to buy back those characters and give us the MCU that we wanted the MCU that it was going to look like was uh Captain America, Nick Fury, Black Panther, mm-hmm. Ant-Man, Cloak and Dagger, Doctor Strange, returning Power Pack. <laughs> they really wanted to get <laughs> that Power Pack thing off the ground. And uh Shang-Chi Ma- Master of Kung Fu we're uh, still we're actually that's in development again, isn't it? Yeah, and considering other things we just spoke about, Cloak and Dagger's been made into a show. So Doctor mm-hmm. Strange got his movie, Black Panther and Ant Man got theirs, Captain America. I wouldn't be surprised if they do some sort of like weird Nick Fury show somewhere down the line. Well, doesn't then the DC has DC Plus or whatever? I oh, know Disney. That's Disney has the Disney yeah. Plus, so yeah, I could see a a whole Captain a, a whole yeah. I maintain that Agents of Shield should have been the Nick Fury show. I totally 100% agree with but you. But I also think that works for a younger Nick Fury. Like a younger... Yeah, not, not, I'm not talking about like Spry and whatever. You can still have the no, grades. Of course. Just stuff, cast but... somebody else and just give us Nick Fury during the time of like Captain Marvel. Yeah. Give us like the those early days. Not early days, but mid-early days of S.H.I.E.L.D. They're going to definitely turn out some... I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're going to like season seven, I think, right Yeah. From what I, from, That's from way what I more successful family, than I ever thought it would be. My family actually likes that show. Like, my sister watches it, my yeah. grandmother watches it, and they don't. They know nothing about the MCU. Oh, another little fun fact about the MCU. Kevin Feige was 33 when he was brought in to oversee the MCU in 2007. Kevin 33. Feige. I mean, he had a whole, he's done a whole bunch of work on comic book movies in the past, um, but... He literally is like the tastemaker. He's credited for the look and the feel. He's the Willy Wonka. Of this that's it. That's that. that. That's MCU daddy. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. And <laughs> I love how I all these guys, Fighting all these in the heads. Chocolate factory. I love how all the heads of these companies all wear like the same baseball cap, like the same. Like they all... yeah, look at us. We're normal. Yeah. Well, no, you're, no, you're well, not. Now it kinda, no, you're not. Now... <laughs> There's antenna sticking out underneath that baseball cap. See, now it kind of, sur- now it doesn't surprise me that they're, they're, uh, their version of sneaking around in the MCU is baseball cap and sunglasses. Yeah, that's what it is, because that's what they're doing. They're sneaking around and uh, with us normal folk. But let's talk about people who ain't so normal. Let's talk about the cast of Avengers, or at least the main cast of Avengers. What a let's weird talk about, cast at that time yes, for me. Let's talk about the, the strengths, the weaknesses. Let's talk about the growth. And let's start with 
Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark Iron Man, reprising his role from Iron Man 1 and 2 and The Incredible Hulk. Uh, so just a little bit of news up front. Downey was cast as part of his four-picture deal with Marvel Studios, which included Iron Man 1 and 2. <laughs> four and pictures. <laughs> yeah, right? Four pictures. <laughs> that's all we need, Mr. Downey. That's all it must we'll have seemed need. like a lot back then, too. Like Probably, you were getting yeah, like those like crazy nine-picture deals they're signing people Who to Who knew that they were going to have 23 movies in 11 years? <laughs> well, and another thing is, usually when you see those longer contracts, they're for children. Because you know you can have them for a decade, and they'll Where like, never Downey really grow up. Years up. old now. I wanna while, say. while while we're talking about Robert Downey Jr., I should say like I thought. Okay, so like I thought that Avengers was gonna be like the end of the story that they were telling in yeah, the yes. in the beginning. So I like I could have sworn Robert Downey Jr. was gonna die in Avengers okay. one. Right. So well, it made it which, look like it. They really made it look like it was. I thought I definitely thought he was gonna die, which is funny because now I'm going into the freaking uh, uh, Endgame thinking he's gonna die again. So let's see. Well, you didn't think he was gonna let's die in Infinity War when he got stabbed in the belly? Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's been a few Avengers movies now where I'm like, this is it for him. I think it's <laughs> a, it, now it's a running trope. It, 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 it's an MCU trope. Tony Stark must look like he's gonna die in an Avengers movie, and then finally die in an Avengers movie. Uh, yeah, you know this. Um. As you know, as it goes on, he was incredibly old for the role. In consideration of the idea that, like, we want to do this for ten years, like the most people you uh, cast young, you cast them young, and you kind of cast them unknown because you want to cast cheap, right? You don't want to cast somebody who starts off at a billion and then ten years down the line you got to give them your house and your kids and your firstborn and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, they they. Casted him for in just these four picture deal, like you said, um, this was probably um, the idea that it, it might not work. I don't think that they were thinking way past uh, Avengers in Phase One. I think they were really kind of hedging their bets with this. In well, a look at the like the critiques of, of Iron Man Two. Yeah. Iron Man Two didn't really sell too well with the in the in the review section, so maybe they didn't think that they could have enough to I- continue this whole story. Yeah. I do want to know how far ahead they were thinking in regards to like the MCU because like you know they did set up Thanos in uh in Avengers 1 and I thought I thought he was going to come back right Well maybe that's when they started knowing that they were going <laughs> to yeah. have something like they gambled with Thanos being in the end credits and then the drawback of this movie's gross was what said okay now we can start going into Guardians now uh, we can got, start going into other people. Yeah, I definitely got a little news on that. That's that's interesting, but um they definitely didn't I don't think they knew exactly what they wanted because uh, Downey, when he first got on the Avengers like set and got the script and all that stuff, he initially pushed for Whedon to make Stark the lead of the film, and uh, he said that like the way he said it, he was like, um, "I need to be in the opening sequence. I don't know what you're thinking, but Tony needs to drive this thing." And so they tried <laughs> it. Yeah, they tried it and it didn't work. And um, they like it more that it's a basically you know everyone gets equal share. Um, but initially, you know, he he definitely. Felt like being the first movie out that Iron Man should get. Well, I think as fans, we kind of put the battery in his back (laughs) on that one. Like, especially since it was a comeback role. Well, I feel like they all. I think feel like everybody would think that about themselves. Yes. I should be there. I, I should and, drive this. And film. I, Iron Man one was the was the and most look how what happened to Terrence there. Howard thinking he's like I should be yeah running this show. <laughs> oh my god! Damn, man. <laughs> Uh, he, he he better come back for uh, Endgame. 
No, no way. He's done. He's going to spend the rest of his life just regretting. So what's going to happen is Ant-Man is going to go into the quantum realm, and he's going to mess with reality a little bit, and then he's going to come out of the quantum realm, and Don Cheadle's going to be Terrence Howard. Edward Norton's going to show up. (laughs) Yes, please. Do the whole whole thing. So um, Downey earned... Fifty million for this for his role in Avengers. That's Jeez. that's 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 that's, that's, that's no hefty, small. but it's also that's hefty. But his compared to you know yeah, what he's getting <laughs> now, what he's getting now per oh, film yeah. is bananas, and his current net worth is three hundred million. But in comparison, in comparison, from nineteen ninety six to two thousand and one, Downey was arrested numerous times on charges related to drugs, including cocaine, heroin, and marijuana. Yep. And went through drug treatment programs unsuccessfully, explaining in 1999 to a judge. Now, remember, this is Tony Stark here. <laughs> it's like I have a shotgun in my mouth, and I've got my <laughs> finger on the trigger, and I like the taste of the gunmetal. Yep. I remember that quote. I wanted that on a shirt. <laughs> you understand? So there's redemption, folks. You understand? Uh, my well, man. that's why he was perfect to play Robert Downey Jr. Uh, not oh, play, and yeah, Robert and Downey he, Jr. He, is, he, I, he is, I, is Tony yeah. Stark. He, he is Iron at the Man. time. At the time of his casting, he was still kind of dealing with that. Uh, he got what do you fired say? from Ali McBeal. Stigma, yeah. yeah, yeah, the stigma. Definitely. So it's it's crazy to see how far he's come and how much uh, how much more prominent he is today. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, he has done a bunch of. He's been he's got in trouble for like trespassing, um, shooting uh, a handgun while speeding down the, the highway, possession, and um, you know. They really pushed Favreau. Really pushed John Favreau. Really pushed for him to be in that film, and I honestly think it was probably the price point that let a lot of that go. You know, like <laughs> what's the worst that can happen? Like we're not, we're not betting the farm. It was on the this. first film of the MCU film. Yeah, that, and it would have been one. That was the biggest gamble that they fist. took. Yeah, it would have been one finger out of the fist. But look at in comparison. Look at how crazy the that character has. Uh, grown and how much of a, a part of this universe he is how do you feel about robert Downey jr's iron man yogi i love i think i think uh whatever it is that he did in his life prior to being casted as iron man i hope that he doesn't regret any of it i hope that he i hope that he looks back on it and he's like man I, it led me to what is possibly the most perfect casting i've ever seen <laughs> and it's like 100 percent. like i it's it's I don't know that there was. I I think there's like rumors that Tom Cruise would have been like Tony Stark at one point. Like there was a uh, he he was like considered or something like that. But yeah, I can't I've imagine. Heard a of that. I can't imagine anyone else. Like Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. I can I can't. I just can't. I I can't imagine a world where we didn't get him as Iron Man. And and if we did, I can't imagine it would have been as successful. Well, that's one of the biggest things that the MCU has more than any even any comic book movie in general. It's casting. Their casting is amazing because they pull people that were either unknown, known too much, or just didn't really do anything. Jeremy Renner was in what Jarhead. You know what? What else? Um, Scarlett Johansson was in La- Lost in Translation and Home Alone Three. Yeah, there was in a bunch. Yeah, there was in a bunch there. I think. Um, I think it's a testament whenever a uh, actor is able to play a, a comic book character that when they're able to rise, uh, raise the profile of that character, and mostly the hallmark of doing that is they will basically just start portraying that comic book character as that actor. 
And so I've seen that, yeah. we've gotten to that point with Tony Stark. I feel like in a lot of ways that they just draw in Iron, that they just draw in Robert Downey Jr. A, a yeah. little bit, a little bit, but it's like at the same time, Tony Stark has always looked like that. Like yeah. somehow, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. has always been Iron Man, and, and, and nobody knew it until well, it's like it happened. Same thing with Deadpool in that one comic book panel where Deadpool says he looks like a mix of Ryan Reynolds and yeah, uh, radioactive Sharpay. So I do think that. Um, uh, in retrospect, they they did make Tony Stark more quippy in the comics, like more a little bit more a uh, pop culture in the comics. But um, he was that in the comics. I just think that Robert RDJ uh, ramped that up, and you know he he definitely goes on a hell of a journey, even in this small arc from Iron Man to Avengers, where um, I think that the biggest thing for him is that moment where Captain America says that. Um, he's not the guy that will jump on the grenade, basically, or jump on the tripwire. That he's not the one that would sacrifice himself. Yeah, would you throw yourself way. down on a wire for so the other man can crawl over you? I'll just cut the wire. Yeah, I think that. Um, <laughs> I think that some of that cut deep. Uh, in the way that in a lot of their uh interactions, the stuff that Captain America and Iron Man say to one another, um, there's some truth to some of the 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 bruntness to some of the things that they say to one another, and I feel like. Um, that moment that defines the the fullness of that arc is when Tony Stark goes to say, take the nuke up into the um, wormhole. You know, that, that threw is himself the, in the grenade. That is yep. him, yeah, yep. throwing, throwing himself on Beautiful the, foreshadowing, uh, a good callback. And... Yeah. And, you know, we're at the point now where uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. slash Iron Man cameo can, um, you know, benefit a movie's box office you know just that alone homecoming just marketing alone um where we're, we're at a point where robert downey jr wears half or, or a third of the of the suit that he used to wear from iron man one and so it's so much easier for him to shoot scenes and do like the whole helmet cam of him just being in a dark room talking to friday or whatever so it's we've we've gotten so used to this character for the past 10 years and it's so rdj that i wonder um if I mean, there's going to eventually have to be another Iron Man one day, but um, he's going to go down in history for uh, being the backbone of this franchise uh, the way few people are in there. Well, how long did they wait before they really casted a theatrical Superman after Chris Reeves? Yeah, they waited a minute. So that's the, what, that's yeah, what, theatrical because they were some TV Superman. Oh, no, yeah, no, th- theatrical. From Chris, from Chris <laughs> yeah. Reeves to Brandon Ralph. <laughs> Oh my God! If you got the DC Universe app, there's been some terrible live-action Superman <laughs> in the meantime. The Adventures of Lois like, and Clark. Uh, what the? There's ju- an Adventures the of Superboy King show one? from 1988. It's weird. There's a lot of weird things going on uh, with uh, Superman. The black and white one with George Reeve. But um, Tony Stark, I feel like, is probably uh, sorry, probably the coolest member of this team at this point. Yeah. What would you say? He's our uh, cooler best. He's our cool best friend. He's yeah. he's somebody who's like we look up to to like well not look up to because they're genuinely an asshole, but we're like we wish like we could be as truthful and blunt as you or as have the confidence as you. So he's also had the most time with Nick Fury and um, Natasha. Um, mm-hmm. He's had the most time with us being in both Iron Man one and two. Everyone only got one film up until two thousand twelve. Yeah, yeah. This, this this was the one that we had the most familiarity with. In a lot of ways, it was everybody walking into Iron Man's world, the world that he was already used to with Shield, and um, Stark Tower and the suits and all that kind of stuff. Um, where Cap is waking up 
from his uh, time period. Hulk is coming from where, like South America, and Thor is coming from Asgard, straight from Asgard. So, uh, Iron Man is kind of at home with his surroundings. Um, I think I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's he is like the only person in that movie that kind of like, I would say familiar with the day to day life of everybody because Hulk's been in running forever. So even though he is human, he's still in running. He's still in in seclusion. Yeah. What are your favorite um, Iron Man moments from this Avengers film? From this Avengers film? Yes. Uh, had to have been him on the helicarrier. Just how he just like commands presence every oh, time he's on the, screen. Like the Galaga, the Galaga scene, him talk. <laughs> okay, him talking to Banner. I yes. like that. Uh, if you look at the screen that Banner's working on, yes, there's two little uh colors on the side that look like vitals. Yeah, one is blue and one is green. I don't know if it's intentional, but to me, I feel like the blue is the blue for Tony's Tesseract. The green is the gamma for Hulk. Uh, so I kind of uh, like that when those two oh, are just on. Yeah, because they're just two together on screen. There's nobody uh, else there. And you just see like these blue vitals and red and green vitals on the side. Yeah. And like they're definitely coloring mirrored each other. So yeah. I do like that. But him on the helicarrier, just like not caring about anything, stealing secrets from S.H.I.E.L.D. Pretty I think, dope. I think my favorite Tony Stark moment, and it's a lot of good ones. But mine is when they throw him out of the window, or he jumps out of the window, and he's they, that suit codes to him for the first time. Like he should have been dead there, new, but yeah. yeah, you had that new cool DNA. The, scan the Loki wrist. suit. The, yeah, like but right Loki, Loki throws Loki him suit, right out of yeah, the window. Yeah. Yeah. That was mine. That was mine actually. Loki in the in the in the tower where he's like casually having that conversation with Loki about how he's we're the Avengers. That's that's the name. That's yeah, our that, name that we chose. That clip was like <laughs> on IMDb and like that was like the only clip you can find of that movie on IMDb at the time before the movie came out. So I just used to rewatch that clip. I also think it's pretty interesting <laughs> that um that that serves as the first time but not the last time that Stark defiantly stands up, right? And just kinda Of course. Lays out, hey, you know, we're here to stop you. And it's and, always gods. He he, well, he has like this cocky anything. arrogance towards gods. He doesn't. Well, I think he he is in the opposition of anything that challenges his beliefs, right? So like, if he believes that the uh, most potential in man is what he can build, then he finds out that there's people in space. He wants to challenge that. Or he finds out that there's gods. He wants to challenge that. Like, who are you? Are you as powerful as you say you are? Are you? You know, you come down here commanding all this attention, and we should all be your slaves. Uh, what is it? Um, we all have like the subservient nature yeah. to us that we should be used to by now, or something like that. Um, and I think that he, I think like Robert Downey Jr. in a lot of ways, Tony Stark's uh, morality has been kind of in question a lot of times, and so the character is always kind of trying to prove himself. Even well, he works he in has. absolutes. He's very irrational, but at the end of the day, he just wants to put uh, an Iron Man suit around Earth. Yeah. Well, you also want to, as a man of science, he wants to prove things. He wants to prove theories and prove everything himself. can be explained. Yeah, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, you definitely see that trajectory, uh, going there. Um, but yeah, I don't think this franchise or this movie would have been the same without Robert Downey Jr. No, no, absolutely no, this, not. Honestly, it's not just Robert Downey Jr. It is half credit to Chris Evans. Yeah, Chris Evans coming from coming from being. A rom-com playboy in, in movies like Not Another Teen Movie or trying out action films, as it were, with Cellier, you, 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 it's basically a nobody. He was, yeah, um, he was what, fan, Mr. Fantastic? Not Mr. Fantastic. Uh, Human Johnny Torch. Storm. And, he was Johnny, and going he was Johnny... into, yeah, going into Avengers, you know, that's where everybody knew him. So it's like, I mean, well, even going into Cap 1, it's like, 
they cast Johnny Storm as Captain America. How's this, this going to work? This blonde hair playboy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was known for, um, you know, not another team movie, Fantastic Four, Scott Pilgrim, you know, he was in uh, The Losers. See, he, he's done his stuff, but like, let's say in comparison, for that same film, uh, Chris Evans earned 2 to $3 million. Yeah, but I, I can understand that. Avengers. It's not like, I, I totally get it. Like, even, even though Robert Downey Jr. had been through his troubles, he was still like the bigger more name. marquee yeah. superstar, yeah. You know? yeah. And by that point, he, he had already brushed all the dirt off his name. By the yeah. for those first two Iron Man films, and I think Chris Evans would ju- would have just been like you know grateful enough just to have been a part of a, a film like that because they really break your image of Chris Evans. If you had this one singular image of Chris Evans after seeing at least the first Avenger, yeah. it's like wow, this guy is Captain America. He threw himself onto a dud grenade, like, and then to see him in now Avengers, being like a leader to the cops that seem in the fight for New York, yeah. Oh, great. I love that. It's like, why should we listen to you? Just starts beating the crap out of Chitauri's. Yeah. All right, guys, I'm going to need a roadblock down on 75th. And that's great. Yeah, it is. It, 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 it's so sad because watch, re-watching Avengers, it's like, where did Joss Whedon go wrong? Why did he went, re- I don't know that he went wrong. If you're talking about, like, Age of Ultron? Certain parts of like- Age of Ultron that I know is Joss Whedon's creative ideas, it's just like, you're either giving us the same thing from the first Avengers, or it's just it's not flowing with the rest of what Marvel Studios wants this series to look like. Well, so that's what the, that's what it was right there. It's that they wanted one thing and he wanted another, but they had to compromise. Yeah, you know, Favreau, yeah. Favreau uh, basically left after Iron Man two because Iron Man two was such a headache. Um, with MCU, I could imagine uh, how much studios. of a headache that was. Yeah, um, Marvel Studios kept trying to push in mandates for like Shield stuff and stuff to set up the Avengers, so he ends up not doing three. Um, you heard about the Edgar Wright Ant Man stuff, <sighs> so you know, um, I in a way like I under like okay, so the success of the MCU may fall right on Kevin Feige, right? But right. like I understand why the directors feel like it's such a hassle. Like I don't want anything to do with it. But right. then again, I understand why Feige's like it's gonna be my way, or you can get out of here. Like I can call somebody. Yeah, in but this is the just thing. Do what I want. This is the thing. Like he's not just calling in yes men directors. He's calling in directors that are known for their particular style. So it's like uh, these guys are gonna come in and direct the film. They're gonna stick to the formula, of course. There's a formula you have to stick to it. But they're gonna throw their style into it. So that scene in Ant Man with uh M- with uh, Michael Pena doing the uh, that telling the story, that's so Edgar Wright. And if they just would have given us that for the whole film, but no, it's like I get it. The directors are like, no, this is too much of a formula now. Now I want to be able to do A, B, and C. No, you have to do X, Y, Z. I feel like some people color in the lines better than others, though. Look at uh, Ryan Coogler. <laughs> you know, true. like yeah. the guy, true. He, he he knocked Black Panther out of the park, and still, and, and this movie still, it, it, it still had his scent. But the funny you know? thing is, they they gave someone like James Gunn a chance to just be himself in a film, and still following a formula. And Guardians One worked. But I wouldn't be surprised if they were a little bit tighter on the reins of an Ant-Man than a Guardians. I think Ant-Man's property is a bit stronger than Guardians at the time. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Ant-Man, Ant-Man, Ant-Man and Guardians kind of... I would say Guardians were like completely unknown to, to casual fans, but Ant-Man was a bit almost in the same, almost on the same boat, really. Well, well, the reason why I say that is because Ant-Man's movie was originally supposed to be slated for Phase 1. Um, mm-hmm. So they had actively been trying to make him 
be in that running for in the OG Avengers, I, like try to be, I guess, faithful to the comics. But with the Edgar Wright stuff and then um, rewrites and all that other stuff, it ended up not coming out to after Age of Ultron. Yeah, it didn't come out um, to like 2000, like uh, what, 13? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I say I was so convinced, like, okay, Ant Man's coming right after Age of Ultron, and it, it must be Hank Pym. He's going to be in Age of Ultron, and then it'll shoot to his movie. And when it had nothing to do with Hank Pym or, or Ant Man yeah, at all, it, I was it, a little. It, it, no, I'm uh, with you on that one. I was so <laughs> I disappointed. Was like, what the it seemed, you know, like it seemed like the whole setup was there. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I understand that they wanted the science bros to be a thing. You know, they did it at the end yeah, of. But there's uh, so many science bros to choose like, from. In the, exactly in the Marvel universe, like being a genius is like they're like eleven. They're like, they're just a all damn over the place, team though. of all the <laughs> smartest MCU of all the smartest Marvel characters on one team. Yeah. Like being a genius in in Marvel is not something that's rare. So you can do your science bros and still give us Hank Pym. Yeah, I think I think um the 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 biggest comparison I think I can make is uh Kevin Smith. You know, Kevin Smith has a distinct um directing style and distinct directing language, I would say, and he has been afforded the opportunity on multiple occasions to direct episodes of Supergirl and The Flash. Now, Supergirl and The Flash are episodic television, so they all have an overarching narrative that has to end at the end. Yeah. Um, and I, I equate the MCU to that, to where Kevin Feige is overlooking the season. Each episode has to look, has to fit this episodic storytelling. So even when you get a Kevin Smith who has that very unique style, he still has to play in the lines. It's not Supergirl talking about blowjobs, and it's not, <laughs> you know, uh, The Flash wondering why he came into work today. You understand? It's, yeah. they, they want the names there. They want to be able to say so-and-so worked on it, but so-and-so worked on it with our formula. So-and-so worked on it within our lines, within our outline, colored in it's our comic test- book. Yeah. It's a testament to their talents, too, to successfully play inside of somebody else's playground Yeah, and still and still have your own style come out of it and be like really uh obviously there like like with kevin smith and the and the flash and the supergirl episode i can always yeah. tell immediately when it's a kevin smith episode when he's done something kevin smithy which is weird because yeah like, you know <laughs> when watching the first iron man nothing of that movie said this is john this is a john favreau film it's Not- a happy hogan Oh, but... I felt like there was some swingers, <laughs> some swingers like comedy. That's in that's that. pro- just the writing, the, uh, just the writing, not the direction. Like seeing the direction. I was waiting I... for Rose to be like your money, baby. Like, <laughs> I, was for, I was waiting for all that stuff to come out. And that felt a little bit swingers to me. Yeah, for like the first five minutes. Oh man, I miss Iron Man now. Yeah, it's a good movie. It but is. yeah, we're talking a little bit about Chris Evans here. But Evans was cast as uh, part of a. Uh, Three uh, Marvel film deal. <laughs> I'm gonna laugh when you just Avengers. keep saying these small numbers. Yeah, they didn't think much. I'm telling you, they were just working little by little. Um, Evans <laughs> earned 2.3 million dollars for um, Avengers, but he had originally declined the uh, Captain America role in the first Avenger three times before accepting the part. Really? Yeah. Now I just like for the role. <laughs> just leave me alone already. I don't want to be Captain America. I don't <laughs> want it. It's gonna be it's Daredevil a- again. Maybe there was They'll some kind hate of, me. Maybe there was some kind of weird uh, Fantastic Four allegiance going on. Maybe he was just <laughs> well, scared to be hated. Yeah, at the okay. time, like at the time, a lot of people didn't even think Cap would be a good movie. <laughs> like, I know I didn't. Now I, th- I, I went into. I loved it though. I just gotta say. No, that. yeah. <laughs> after seeing the first Cap, I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be the, one of the perfect trilogies. Before yeah. seeing it, I'm like, oh come on, this is Captain America. This is Stars and Stripes move from from Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, he said that he didn't decline the role because of uh, you know not liking Captain America, but because he feared what the effects of the sudden increase of fame would be on his life. Oh, he was. <laughs> oh yeah, that man was scared. <laughs> oh <laughs> lord. What did he think he was gonna do? Like indie films for his entire career? Yeah, Nobody probably, was gonna know who he was. That's prob- <laughs> that a lot of actors probably like survived their, their like mental health off of that, not being in the Hollywood elite, just doing these A twenty four Panera fucking pictures. Um. Well, that's another thing. It you know he said that um he Robert Downey Jr. convinced him to take the part, but he also had the caveat of having the freedom to sign on to any other role he'd want afterwards. Um. So yeah. So, what do yeah. you mean, like, within Disney? He, he was able to do movies in between. You know, there was no issue with that. Oh, okay, okay, oh, okay. okay, yeah, okay. No, that's I, why we I got, see. like, movies like Snowpiercer. Like, look how look how low budget and how indie the movie Snowpiercer was. And I also was. wouldn't be surprised if he was like, hey, um, don't worry, because this might not even take off. Like, <laughs> just do it. Uh, let's do Avengers, it. and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> and let me tell you, I was, besides Marvel vs. Capcom, I was not a humongous fan of Captain America. Um, probably because I think in the same vein as Superman, I think a lot of people have, uh, drawn conclusions about the character just based on their perception of, yeah. of, of them. And so I thought that Captain America was just like this ultra patriot and in many ways he is, but, um, he stands for more, more of what he believes America should be than what America is at all times. And I think that that was a big distinction that I didn't get, um, probably because I didn't pay too much attention because it's in a lot of his, you know, comic book history and a lot of his, um, his big stories is him battling with what's right versus what he's being told is right. And I think that and some, go ahead, brother. No, I was going to say, and sometimes battling against his own government because yeah. they're not right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, um, this movie goes to show, you know, even, um, validates him when he believes that the government's aka shield is working behind everyone's backs and doing stuff and this is twice that, now that they're creating tech and stuff um and so i really resonated with that in a way that i didn't think i would and i resonated with the character in a way that i didn't think i would um and like you said i do think that chris evans is uh, steve rogers slash captain america um does deserve a lot of the credit for as of uh, this franchise going as far as it has I think that um, I feel like he even holds himself with a different sort of standard or even like he has like a different weight on his shoulders now. When you see him in interviews and stuff, I don't see the not another teen movie actor anymore. Oh, no, he, he has Johnny so Ford. grown up and grown around this role. He's grown. That yeah, he's become freaking Steve Rogers. And it's, <laughs> like it's, legit. Have you seen his Twitter feed? Yeah. 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 Stuff there too, yeah. He's he's talking about what's right against what you think is right, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see somebody grow up around a character that you wouldn't think anybody would care for, or you yourself wouldn't even care to be acting in. Yeah, like if someone, if I was an actor and someone told me that they wanted me to play Captain America, I'd be like, I, I mean, all right, but what is it gonna do for me? You know? Yeah. This did something for him in a huge way, monumental, and seeing him like bring on this leadership role in Avengers was awesome. Especially the way he met Bruce Banner. When when he, Bruce was like, uh, is that the only word you hear about me? And he's like, it's the only word I care about. That's, that's I, some uh, of Captain I America like, stuff. I like that um they had Coulson be a fan of his from the jump. Yeah, that too was pretty cool. Um there was a deleted scene I think that he was saying in this film where they were originally gonna he was originally gonna save uh like a World War Two veteran 
in um in the Battle of New York, and the guy was gonna be like, "Cap, is that you?" Like you know, like uh, recognize him and stuff. And that um actually would have been that would have been that cool. would have been pretty freaking cool. Yeah, yeah. that would have been pretty cool. And then they were gonna ask Cap like, "Did you know that guy?" Oh no, sorry, they're gonna ask the old man, "Did you know that guy?" And the old man was gonna be like, "Everybody knows that guy." That would have so, been actually uh, like uh, uh, that would have been serviceable to his character. Yeah. Um. I don't think Whedon gets Cap like the Russos do. No. I don't think no. there's anything wrong to like. No, I'm not saying that not in a negative all. way. No, I'm no. not saying that in a negative way. I'm not saying that no, no. To I, put I get one what you mean by like down over the other. I just in rewatching this film, I the even in the action scenes like there was a noticeable difference, um, in what he was given to do and stuff. Um, but they do definitely. I will say that. I was gonna say in regards to like Whedon and Cap, like he, he b- being that Cap was still like the fresh out of t- out of his yeah, time. Yeah, I was actually gonna he say that too. Thank God you said it. It it, it, it kind of like it worked for that movie because of because of where the character was at the moment. Yeah, I gotta agree. I'm so glad he said it because that's what I was gonna say too. That you see that this is the Cap that's still like in Shields close quarters he's like when you meet when you meet him he's beating up punching bags yeah. and then when you find then when you see him after the avengers in the russo's winter soldier you see that he's actually more trained he has different more modern day uh fighting styles than just close up bare knuckle brawling yeah. or some of the jumps because he has the soldier serum yeah so i guess he did look out of water because he is out of water <laughs> Which I but the Russos did handle that espionage. Oh my God! Listen, Ugh. yeah, I and I, d- I just think that you know, um, I think that overall, he's become somebody that the other characters have grown to respect. Um, Captain America. I think that he's gotten to the point where even people who probably weren't the biggest fans of him before are starting to respect him and like him more. I do think that the character's profile has definitely risen. Um, and again, that's uh, to me, that's the telltale sign of it's getting crazy because they're like the Batman and Superman of this newer general. Like they're, I mean, their the level of Batman, love. They went head and head, head to head with Batman and Superman uh, at the box office, and year. still same, and beat them in a, what thirty month, thirty month, thirty day uh, time series or like that. Yeah, about um, two months. Civil War, uh, Civil War was, was May about two months, maybe? Civil War yeah. was May sixth, and yeah. uh, Batman vs Superman was like like March twentieth something. Or something. Yeah, or something like that. It was about two months. What's your favorite? Captain March twenty sixth. What's your favorite Captain America scene from this film? My favorite Captain America scene is uh, when he goes up against against uh, Tony Stark with the talking. Ah. Uh, just the way he like he, he uh, just put on the suit. Yeah, <laughs> put on the suit. What I liked about it is like he he showed a little bit of the confidence from beating Hydra and gaining the Soldier Serum, but he also was still out of his element with someone who's a quippy, arrogant. Uh, prick like Stark, yeah. Yeah. so you you see him like you know put on the suit or oh man a man of a uh, suit you know take that off what are you and all that yeah. and he was still being one upped by Stark. I like that interaction because it kind of like shows their chemistry that builds for Civil War. Yeah, like I I, I my new appreciation for this movie is everything about this movie gave me Civil War. So it, by that alone, I have to respect that this movie even exists. I think um. You know, in retrospect, after watching it now, with hindsight being twenty twenty, my favorite cap scenes are all the scenes of him introducing himself for the first time, like where he's just in the jacket and the tucked in shirt and stuff. Yeah, uh, because you, he he is very much he's not like I Prim am Captain America, you know, like I am Captain America, but whatever. Like he very much is out of you know out of his own element, and he wants you. You can tell that he 
doesn't want to step on anybody's toes. He's not outwardly disrespectful or, or anything towards anybody, but he also still wants to be respected, even though he's on the outside, he's still a member of the team. And whenever he, um, he go ahead, brother. I was going to say, he kind of feels like he's still that uh, small scrawny cap from first Avengers. Yeah. yeah from first Avenger. No, that's like 100%. The little Steve. He doesn't really gain his confidence until the Russos take over him. And that's when he gains the confidence to start questioning people's uh, motives. And that's when this new, like, Marvel's, like, current, the way uh, Captain America looks in the current comics, that's the way I see, like, how they the Russos wrote him in. Yeah. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that he just, uh, well, my, sorry, my, uh, I like uh, <laughs> the scene where uh, him and Stark are talking to each other on that helicarrier when okay. he's trying to fix the propeller. Oh, and he yeah, asks, yeah, and he yeah, asks yeah. Cap, "It's like, what do you see?" And he just looks at this entire motherboard, and he's just like, "It looks like <laughs> it runs, runs on, on some." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's so funny because he's trying, but he has no idea what the hell he's talking yeah. about. That's Cap, baby. I think, I think, uh, I think my favorite Cap scene. It might be more than it. it, it it's. It's everything that happened when the Battle of New York was actually going on. Because then he really started taking charge yes. of, of oh, yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, I loved seeing that. I loved seeing Cap be the leader. And and while we're talking about Cap being the leader, I need to know what's the issue with Avengers Assemble. Like, why have we not heard him say this? Oh, what, yeah, is, what, right? is Whedon's, what is Whedon's problem with that phrase? Like... <laughs> I guess they're waiting. It's I not guess even... it's the ultra buildup. That'll be the last thing that gets said in, in uh, Endgame. If, no, then they're still gonna cut to black. In... I don't. No, I don't think because that was like a piece. Of... Okay, so like I don't even understand what's the what's so funny about like not giving like like is that cute? Like what's so cute about that? Like <laughs> what's so funny? Like what what's so funny about him being like you know Avengers and then cutting it off? Like what's the what's the joke? Like I don't get it. I don't I guess, get it. And I'm, I'm I guess the joke is supposed to be that. You... You know what he's gonna say. So why say joke. it? So then, what's the point of saying it? Yeah, but I think that's what it is. I think it's like you know what it is. And if that you was don't like the know, ending of Fan Four Stick. You know, whatever, that's that's, that's, that's that will always reminds me of the ending of Fan Four Stick. It's like, hey, say that again. Fantastic, huh? Fade to black shows logo. Ah, come on. So, so stupid. But like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still. I don't even think that we're going to get it in Endgame. I don't see a place where. <laughs> I don't see. Well, I mean, the way that trailer looked with the Quantum Realm suits. We might get an Avengers Assemble. Yeah, I need it. I need it. At this point, after all these years, I need it. Because if, we, if, Cap, fuck, if Cap dies, you know, without we saying it, I'm going to be very angry. <laughs> like, um, legit. I think it's, I think it's uh, kind of poetic that you mentioned, um, you know, his ability to take charge um, in the Battle of New York. But I guess that speaks to his ability to understand what a war is, right? Yeah. Like, as soon as he's actually put into a war zone, he knows what to do. Uh, prior to that, he was like delegating in between Stark and Fury and everybody else. And after a while, like you said, by the time that they all get in that circle pose thing, he is the one yeah, calling shots. Shot, he's the one telling so everybody gorgeous. where to go, and he's, he's the, the one in the middle to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is which is big, you know, because even though Tony Stark and Iron Man was more popular and profitable of a character, um, they still allowed Cap to grow in this franchise. Uh, to somebody that is as respected, I want to say, and that's that's big because you don't have to, right? You can always just be like, "It's what DC did, right? Batman and Superman work. <laughs> nothing else works." Well, this could it... work if you try. No, nothing else works. <laughs> nothing else works. These are the only it. ones that work. You understand? Like they didn't have to give a they could they didn't have to give a chance to Cap. They could be like Cap One was good. Cap Two just low budget. Let's just do something. You know, 
Let's just make it whatever we got to make it to to get to Age of Ultron or whatever. But they, they stuck to their guns and they um, really, really outdid themselves when it came to the characterization of Captain America uh, in my eyes. He ended, he ended up being my favorite MCU character he, after Yeah, everything. I think he's almost everybody's favorite MCU character at the end of the Definitely, day. Cause yeah, it's like, I am a Stark, yeah. I'm almost worried about what happened because he's he's be at this point he's he's almost like mega important to the MCU as a whole. I'm almost worried about what happens when he's gone. Yeah, <laughs> like, who and is it's that? It's not going to be what they did with Robert Downey Jr., where at least he got a cameo in Homecoming to mentor Peter Parker. There is nobody for him to mentor. Like yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, if you could do Falcons, like you could do Bucky Falcon. Are, yeah, well, yeah, yeah I guess they're getting, whatever they're, that they're getting their own TV be. show is is he going to show like are we going to get like. No, Nick Fury cameos where he just shows up just to Somebody's show fan service. Shield afterwards, so I'm, they might that show might be about that. I don't know what took place between blah blah. But they, I hope it's the after Endgame. I hope that shows all that after. Endgame, they, they're they're going to be taking a break from uh, this story set of people. Yeah, for, that, that's why well, you hear about like the Eternals, and then you also got like Wakanda, the Wakandan movie happening, the Spider Man movie happening. But like as far as the main. Our the character our OG, this one, our, the OG oh, yeah. Avengers. Yeah, but then we get a then we get a Black Widow film. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like they can't. Oh, help yeah, them. well she can't die, right? I'm, she I'm, can't. I'm so oh, no, no, her movies, her movies, a, her movies a prequel, so she can die. She could still die. Huh, prequel. So they're gonna give yeah, her a movie, but uh, they give Hawkeye a her... TV show where he trains his daughter. That's messed up. I don't. Um, no one likes Hawkeye. I feel like, so I feel like Hawkeye. Hawkeye might work better as a like. Okay, yeah, like I'm gonna recommend this to everyone. More episodic. I recommend this to all the listeners right now. Like, go read Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, and that's what you want a Hawkeye TV show to be. Like, you yeah. want, you need to like you. That's that's what a Hawkeye TV show needs to be. That well, then that, let's that, just that... hope a lot of the people don't think it's the next Arrow and just completely stay away from it because like, oh, I have Arrow. No, no, I don't think I don't think I think when it comes to like Dis- first of all, these Disney Plus shows are all getting movie sized budgets, so it's like I mean, but to be honest. To be honest with that, with him making that comparison, I wouldn't be surprised if the reason why it is greenlit is because Arrow's leaving. Maybe you know, maybe, maybe people I'm still not... need that character type. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that's 100 percent the reason. They're like, no, oh, but it, it's it would make this sense is why we're doing it. But I can see them being like, oh, and also, and by the way, <laughs> since Warner's you know, is getting rid uh, of you know him, um, in I'm the same need... way, yeah, I'm just gonna need, I'm gonna need him to be in Black Widow too. Like they've they've made them. The, the the pair like they're friends they're not a couple but they're like the pair they're the friends yeah. they have the history and if we go we're not gonna get to see that like, and that's you crazy. see it in Both. Earth's Mightiest Heroes like especially in the yeah. first season of Earth's Mightiest Heroes they were a really good like pair of friends like he was trying to like get her to come back from the Hydra side like I like I like she, Bucky and she, and Blue together she kind of set him up and he was like trying to which if this is a good segue forward to bring up Scarlett Johansson, she was an amazing spy in this movie. She she really did more of her espionage than she did in Iron Man Two. Like you see her the interrogation scene, both interrogation scenes. But the one I liked the with most, Loki, was, right? I love the one with scene. Loki. Yeah, the interrogation scene with Loki was really good. And being a girl that came up from real from nothing, really. I mean, she uh, Scarlett uh, definitely wanted this role because she dyed her hair red even before she even got the role for, of uh, Black Widow. Um, she yeah, she had like this strawberry blonde. Even... To to be fair, like a lot of girls were dyeing their hair red. At Emma the Stone time. did. Emma <laughs> Stone did it too. I don't understand why it was a fad, she, but it was. She actually <laughs> um, replaced Emily Blunt, who was gonna. Uh, who was gonna wow. Play, uh, 
Really? Yeah. I did not know that. That's crazy because my knowledge of Emily Blunt, I I would love to see Emily Blunt in an MCU film. I don't know about that role, though. No, I could see her like a Maria Hill. A type, Perhaps. a real type, because I do have learned to love. We've got Kobe Smothers. I've though. learned to love Kobe Smothers, so. Um, yeah, she uh, she ended up going on to play Black Widow in all four Avengers films and in Captain America Winter Soldier, which is then going to get me back to my segue of I prefer Black Widow under the Russos <laughs> as opposed to. 100%. Whedon again. I feel like, I feel like. You saw more of her who she was in Winter Soldier and Civil War. Well, it was more of her. We didn't. And, uh, I feel like we didn't. We didn't. We didn't focus as a lot on how sexy she is. There's sexy. a lot of there's no, a lot of that was but, a part of the shots. behind the scenes stuff. I heard that there there's was a, a lot of that. There is right. It's a, there's a lot of like shots of her butt and tights and like she's so pretty and then like it, it, I, I I I I can see why uh, you wouldn't. Joy, the Russos better than Whedon. I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a like a. I don't want to call myself a pervert, but I did enjoy. I enjoyed some of those shots, oh, but well, I can see why people yeah. would have an issue with it. Well, again, you know, Whedon, is no stranger to writing strong females, and I don't think that he was yeah, taking any liberties with with Widow. But I, I also feel like he made Widow kind of Buffy, you know, in that sense. Yeah, but I feel like he felt like his characterization of Black Widow was like her being sexy was part of her superpower. And I'm like, that's not right. But I mean, I guess that is part of, that's part of the like Russian femme fatale yeah, yeah that's, but that's, femme, a femme fatale is, is the downfall of man. That's what that's that's, that's what, what a femme fatale is. To... She's supposed to be a seductress downfall of that's, man. That's what I'm so I understand why yeah. Whedon would take those kinds of liberties. But then again, I liked more what, what Yogi's saying. With Under the Russos, you see her guiding Steve in ways no other real character guided Steve through the rest. Uh, be, besides Peggy Carter and Howard Stark and uh, the the doctor guy, I always forget. Not since the first Avengers do you see a character actually like guiding yeah. Tony, uh, not Tony, uh, Steve in the right direction. Yeah. So she's saying uh, like like uh, that scene in the mall where Tony where, where Stark. Pumped. I'm a little like flustered. Uh, that scene in the mall where Steve wanted to fight all the Hydra members and Black Widow was just like, here, just kiss me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it shows the contrasting bare-knuckle brawling and the espionage spy. So I do like the Russos under... And her playing both sides in Civil War. Like, I just I just feel like there's more to her. But I like that she was in this film. And I did like um, what I saw of her. I didn't feel like there was any hint to the her and Hulk relationship. I know maybe you guys disagree. Uh, a little bit, yeah. I I would say I would say they actually did kind of. Uh, well, they did pair them up a lot. Okay, yeah, there was that, like, there, there was, was no like real mini, like flirtatious banter. There was no like straight up flirtation. You know, like Black Widow is flirty with everyone, so it's hard to tell. You know, yeah. but then eventually it does become a thing. So now when you look back in hindsight, it's like okay, well then I guess they were flirting. Yeah. So like. Yeah, so I, I saw I saw I saw a little bit of it, I'd say, and I guess that uh, Whedon really wanted that to be a thing. I'm not exactly sure why. I dig it. <laughs> well, how do you guys like Scarlet ScarJo as a uh, Black Widow? Oh, I've I loved love her. her. Yeah, I, I've loved her since Iron Man Two. I did. I definitely do. I mean, I think she. I think. Uh, I think they did throw away the whole. They almost completely threw away the whole Russian thing, though. But like, yeah, she says. They, um, she says she speaks, to uh, Loki, right? Like. I'm Russian, or I was. Yeah. Well, that's that's <laughs> the thing like, about her uh, the identity crisis. Because remember, she has a lot of what? red in her ledger. Yeah. So yeah. It, so she does have this identity crisis type thing. I was like, going she's, on. Okay. 
she got all meta like uh, I was, you yeah, know. Yeah, they're writing me now. But aside from that very small comic book nerd nitpick, I love uh, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow. She's got the look. She's got the uh, she's got the essence of a Black Widow, of a spy, of a I femme think, fatale. I think this was the reddest her hair was in the entire MCU. Though. Nah, man, when she was in Iron Man two, those curls, it was just yes. some dark yep. red, man. Iron Man two, stupid. Yeah, but, it looked, uh, I like don't know. Sh- like there was like a blood red in her Avengers hair. Like when she was like turning away from walking away from Loki, you see like this like red now, in your shorts right now. Now we're gonna get like this kind of um uh blonde red. I well, agree. first, uh, first we get the blonde, and yeah. then I guess time passes for whatever reason, and the dye just kind of grows out of her hair. It's red again. Let's see if she can get girls to start doing that, though. Well, I mean, she is on the she is on the lamb. Is that going to be the end of the Civil War? Is that be the next look? The, Maybe the, <laughs> letting your hair grow through your other hair <laughs> as you're on the run. The end game. Bro. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Girls are in the end game. Put your ponytail on your shoulder, girl. Dip that joint and die. That's it. <laughs> like doing the oh my god. Now. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Let, let's speak about the big green monster in the room, though, because uh, Mark Ruffalo plays uh, Bruce Banner slash the Hulk in this film, replacing Edward Norton from uh, the Incredible Hulk. Terrible move for me. And I'm so, I, I mean, when I hear about the backstage stuff with Edward Norton. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna disagree with what they did, yeah. but I went into I went into Avengers worried because I'm like the last two Hulk films were not like you know like they and were. That's they why were. we got no Hulk film, and that's why we just get him as like a, a side character. Yeah. But yeah. it's just like okay, I understand that Norton was like, listen, I have a script. You guys should follow my script. I want a better Hulk movie than this crap. Calm down, guy. This is only the second <laughs> film in the MCU. They don't even know if they're making it to Captain America. So, like, I, you know, you, you're putting your cart before your horse. I so, do wish that I, I wish that I knew what Edward Norton's ideas were. Because yeah, I, me too. Because, like, he wasn't wrong. Yeah, there could have been better scripts no, out there. Well, his, he was very <laughs> vocal about, especially at the Rob Lowe roast. He was very vocal where he's like, I got kicked off the MC, off the MCU set because I wanted a better movie. And it's like, you're not, but you're not telling us. What but, you want, but, but but let me play devil's advocate in saying that if he is as as abrasive as rumors have suggested, a better Hulk movie might have just been anything that he wanted that they didn't. Like, let's say he want, and I want a scene where I'm driving a Ferrari, I'll have to agree with you on that. Anything they that didn't he want, thought would have been better, better yeah. a better Hulk movie. Um, another thing about the Hulk that I think is incredibly problematic is that, um, well, two things really. One. A Hulk movie is a movie where the entire movie, the protagonist is doing the one thing you don't want him to do, which is stay calm and not be the Hulk. That's it. He, Bruce That's my Banner, problem with audiences because Bruce Banner is a very like you know duality of man type character. He battles these identity crises. But that's what I'm saying. In a, in a Hulk movie, all the posters will be of the Hulk, and you will be waiting for the Hulk majority of the time because in the movie. Bruce is going to be trying his hardest to not be the Hulk. Yeah, and that builds anticipation. Hulk... So when he's finally the Hulk, the fans should go crazy, but they don't. But it's also doesn't. I, it... I don't know that they wanted that though. No, no, but I'm, no. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> I what don't I'm know saying that. Is, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I don't think that that ends up being a hero in the same light as a Captain America or an Iron Man, like the guy who can't. Who but it was still it like an hour before any of these characters then... were who they were. Yeah, but but you he not to have known that this was folding into the universe because. You got the Tony Stark cameo at the end. 
So you were play, you were gonna play ball. You were gonna be on the same team as all this. What happens when we get to Avengers and Edward Norton's like, and he was the, his issue supposedly was um, that it seemed as though Banner um, was having issues being the Hulk again. So Edward Norton mainly didn't like the fact that Bruce Banner was struggling with his issues of the Hulk, uh, because at the end of the Incredible Hulk, it seemed as though Banner had actually accepted that he was the but Hulk. But that's what made and it that work. The for Avengers me. movie wouldn't really be developing Banner's character much. Um, but that also sounds like something that you would say after you're kicked off of a really good and really <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, they were doing a thing in there that I didn't like, and that's why I didn't want to do but it. But it is known that Edward Norton is very hard to work with on any movie set, so... Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard but that a lot. But it's just so sad <laughs> because, once again, I'm, I'm going to... When it comes down to this first Avengers film, I'm going to pull a lot from Earth's Mightiest Heroes because... This was what I wanted the Avengers to look like in okay. my eyes. I don't blame I love I love Earth Mightiest Heroes. Especially season like the... one before it was touched on by the MCU when it came out in like two thousand nine, ten, and they had Black Panther on the in the third episode and they had Natasha as a bad guy. You didn't meet Cap like... till the near end. That stuff was first... great. The first, okay, so the, there was like, Earth's Mighty Heroes was like 52 episodes of perfection. It was just straight, like, it was just like yes. a, a, a perfect little uh, a, a summarization of the Marvel Universe. Not the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's no, what no. they gave you. Yeah, with the, the Marvel Universe, yeah. It's like the actual Marvel Universe. You got, you got uh, X-Men cameos, you got Fantastic Four, you got, you you got all Zemo, this crazy stuff. You it had felt, all of these different felt, bad guys. Uh, it actually felt like Marvel, but what you were saying, what to go back to what you were saying, like that first season, that first uh, of it was just the Avengers, how they got together, the versus the Masters of Evil and everything. That's like, that was uh, I want to say like almost, uh, it was a perfect characterization of the Avengers, like period. And just that's why when when uh, Mark Ruffalo was casted for Hulk, I was initially like not liking it because my idea was. Wow, I'm seeing Earth's Mightiest Heroes have this character that looks just like Edward Norton, from from size to stature, everything about him just was like this is the Incredible Hulk movie, type at Bruce Banner. But I, I didn't mind the look as much as I was just worried because I was I like, man, I don't too, know if they. Know I thought how he was to too Hulk. chunky. I thought Mark Ruffalo is too chunky. And I, it's, <laughs> it's funny. I actually no, think that Avengers is his smallest role, like skinniest role. You think? You, you yeah. Think? Um, Looking back, he looks incredibly thin in this movie in comparison to the others, but I do, I do think I've always, I've always pictured a more like, you know, Adrian Brody kind of. Yeah, like look, look, look at me right now. I'm like on 120 pounds of pure. Like bones. I feel, I feel like in let a, me play Hulk. I feel, I feel like, like in a fight, Banner I, could still take Tony Stark. You know, like this Banner could still take Tony. I know Stark. that. I know that. I know that it might sound like a petty thing to maybe people who are listening. Like, what do you mean? Just because he's chunky? No, but but like part of the part of the character is that this very scrawny, skinny Puny banner scientist dude become huge, humongous monster. Like, so I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, like at least stick to that. Like I like I don't mind Mark Ruffalo as an actor. It's just at least make him lose the weight. At least make him look like his his skin is hugging his bones. The for thing me. is, supposedly, supposedly they were already considering Mark Ruffalo for Incredible Hulk anyway before they got uh, Norton. Really, even yeah. before Norton, they were already considering him. But the funniest and probably saddest thing is watching Ruffalo be revealed as Banner at uh, San Diego Comic Con 2010, because it's all like we're doing the Avengers movie, and everyone's like, "What the hell?" And everyone's flipping out, and they're like, "You know, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., and Steve, you know, uh, Rogers, and Chris Evans." 
And then, like, and the Incredible Hulk is Mark Ruffalo. And everybody's like, what? <laughs> who, who the hell? Because they had never seen him before. He was not in any movie. He was in movies like Just Like Heaven. Any, and... and not any MCU movies. He, they were bringing everybody on stage as people that you had already oh, seen. Oh, yeah, that you already MCU are familiar movie. with. And now they're going to be in the star-studded cast rejoining again to be in the Avengers. So it's like, it's everybody you remember. Chris Evans, you know, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth. Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, and then everyone was like, "What?" Like, everybody, everybody, like people Still, were like, politely clapped. I have to like, say that I what? like, I like this banner under the direction of Whedon so much more. I this is my favorite banner of uh, up from Mark Ruffalo's initial casting of Avengers to now Endgame. Yeah. This is my favorite banner. This will the, always be my favorite Avengers, banner. This Avengers one. Yes, because he he was he didn't want to be there. He wanted nothing to do with anybody. He was that calling everybody out on their on their bull crap, saying, "Listen, we're not a team. We're just a time bomb waiting to happen." Cue trailer shot. Like I liked how like, like he was very uh, weary of everybody. Like I don't know if this is a good idea. Yeah, and then he comes in, and then about, yeah. then at the end when he comes in, he says he's always angry. Turns to the Hulk out of nowhere and punches a giant Tachari. Yeah, this was the best banner that I've ever seen. I like him. So great. Um, how you feeling about? Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner after the fact. Uh, seven years later, Yogi. I think it. I think it turned out okay, but honestly, I feel like I haven't. I've never like. This might have to do with the lack of a Hulk, like a good Hulk solo film. <laughs> but yeah. but um, but um, I feel like I haven't gotten the the Bruce Banner Hulk that I want, or maybe like. That I expected, or, or that I know from the comics, like I've never gotten that. And I, I like Mark Ruffalo's, I like Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner, his Hulk. Don't get me wrong, but um, I just ha- I haven't got like a, he's this to in my eyes, this is MCU, this is MCU Bruce Banner. This isn't the Bruce Banner that I know. This is gotcha. just a, a Bruce Banner that they have in the Avengers movies, and uh, I like it for what it is. But I've never gotten the Bruce Banner that I know. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't, a little I don't, bit of a tangent. How do you feel about Jarvis being an AI as opposed to a butler? As opposed to a butler? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I get that. See, I understand that the cash, they wanted the casual audience to not see Jarvis as like Alfred. an Alfred, you know? <laughs> Understandable, because that's too Unders- many parallels for Batman I, now. I completely understand that, but... What I don't, what what I what I what I want, it's like, and again, this is a small nitpick. Like we're for, we're comic book nerds here. I'm gonna nitpick, and yeah. you guys are gonna accept you, it. I'm gonna <laughs> accept it. I but accept um, it, brother. But um, where's Avengers Mansion? <laughs> I oh, wanted yeah. the mansion. Yeah. yeah. I wanted the mansion. We never got the mansion. Nope, Straight to the, the tower. tower. No. <laughs> the tower. Uh, I was like, I get it. I get. I get. I. I don't know. That's a small thing that when I when I see when I think Jarvis, I think the mansion. So when you mentioned Jarvis, it just reminded me that we never got the mansion either. It nope. doesn't. Jarvis but have I guess like a very, again, like, emotional that, connection like, in the comics. Isn't Jarvis like really like important? Well, to... he's 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 like he's mad down with the Avengers. Like he's super. Like he's yeah. he's like how Coulson was with the fandom. At one point, he's babysitting um Jessica Jones's baby. Like he's like you know like he's That's, that yes. he's that yes. he's that down um. Yeah, so I guess with all that being said, is there anything that you gentlemen uh, would want to get from uh, this Mark Ruffalo Hulk that you haven't yet? Or do you think that what you're, you'll be fine with whatever he turns out in um, Endgame? I want a Hulk that's afraid to turn into the, I want a Bruce Banner that's afraid to turn into the Hulk in, in more emoting ways than just expositionally saying, showing me 
that he doesn't that he's afraid to be the Hulk. Like I'm tired of hearing I'm afraid to be the other guy. I'm afraid mm-hmm. to be the. I want to see him. I want to see his hand turn green and then he grab his hand and he's just start. He's closes his eyes like if he's calming himself down. Oh, he's wanting to constantly be under the threat of changing. Yeah, and I want him to I, I, only change until he needs it. Okay. Like he's he's trying like like he's getting beat up in the alleyway and you see his his like shoulders bulking up and he's like no 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 this is okay they just need to survive they just need to survive but somebody like Betty is in trouble and he's like nope power boners time to go power time to go straight Hulk <laughs> like that's the kind of stuff I like I like I like him to, I would like to see a Hulk who's I would like to see a Bruce Banner who's self selflessly trying not to be Hulk yeah but then also selflessly being Hulk. Because all of it just seems like writer's ploy, right? Plot armor. Yeah. The thing is, it's I a mean, hard thing. I mean, he's I always angry me, now. Now he's always angry. Now he could just turn into the Hulk by snapping his fingers. Like, it's a cool shot. Don't get me wrong. But I want more of the Identity Crisis banner. That's yeah. just, that's, uh, I, that's how I've always seen it. It was always just seemed like that you could do more with that. But it's all about the audience and how they sell it. I think, uh, I think legalities prevent. Me from ever getting the Hulk that I want (laughs) out of uh, out of Mark Ruffalo, but Uh um, as far as what we have now, I guess I guess what I want, I think we're going to get an Endgame where it's like a completely in control banner. Okay, like completely in control of the Hulk, the smart Hulk. I don't know if you I don't know if you've ever seen uh, but there was a there was a moment. It's kind of, but it was like that was a moment. There was a period of time where Bruce Banner had complete control of the Hulk. The heart, yeah. the no, Hulk I remember that. Yeah, was just as smart as uh, Bruce Banner because it was Bruce Banner, right. you know. But um, uh, uh, yeah, I don't think that we, have, I don't think we're ever gonna get the Hulk that I want, which is uh, um, you know, like I was saying, the the the, the uh, ah man, let's get. Uh, I'm I'm at a loss for words. For, I'm like Buster for right now. But I guess I'll go back to um what Dan was saying when he's like he wanted to see more of uh, Bruce Banner's identity crisis rather than just having it told to us through exposition. Like there's this one scene in Avengers where Bruce talks about how he tried to shoot himself in the mouth, but yeah. uh, the Hulk spit the bullet the back out. Like I wish we got it as a we... that was a deleted scene on the Incredible Hulk DVD. Was it? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. never saw that because uh, I wish I. Could. I wish I'm gonna have to send you that later. Yeah, I wish we would have got to see that as part of the film, like things like that. No, that's that that scene that he's explaining in Avengers. You do see as a deleted scene, or it's like it pulls out of the cabin shot, and you just see, like you hear the gunshot go off, and then you just see him spit his, like the bullet out of his mouth while his hand is green. It's it's weird. It's like a weirdly shot scene, but it is pretty cool. So I guess when it comes down to me, I can only ever want iterations that I've read. And so, because I have a, a, a little knowledge uh, about Hulk, I have very little knowledge. I want to get into the Immortal Hulk soon because I heard that great, great, great things about that. But um, I need to see the Hulk. Oh, I would love to see the Hulk that is in um, World War Hulk. Um, I World Breaker. Yes. yes. Because <laughs> I feel like if you're, I feel like Hulk as a good guy, you only get to see the levels of his rage and the levels of his strength going increasing if the threat is that big and if it threat is that big you really don't need any of the other avengers it's going to be hulk and this one guy whereas in world war hulk you get to see each hero at every tier try to test hulk and see him overcome that and get bigger and get stronger with a level of confidence and and almost a level of um like a little bit of a sociopath, like he knows, like he, you know, like he doesn't care at this point. He's so uh, um, angry at his fellow Avengers for what they've done. Um, 
that 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 uh sinister nature of the Hulk is something I don't think kind of seems ever like seen. it was like in a, Ragnarok a little a little bit. Um, like that, like, you're, the way you're <laughs> no, the way you're explaining like the, the the personality trait like right now like. Like okay, him, so like okay, I, him just I like not that. caring about anything and being him, mad like, at the Avengers the and being in the hot tub is basically the closest I'm probably gonna get. Like him just like I don't maybe, care. I'm paid. I'm the king of this. this, right. this. Maybe like when when it comes to like Worldbreaker Hulk, like okay, so in my eyes, Worldbreaker Hulk is the absolute strongest possible Hulk. Like, like he's glowing, okay, so, glowing gamma radiation out of his eyes. And it's like it's like he's the he's the. He's so intensely angry that he is the absolute most powerful that he can be because of what they did to him. We're never going to get that because we don't have the time because he has to share uh, screen time with, I mean, like, however many about Endgame? You don't think You don't think we get something close in Endgame? You don't think he just flips out? They don't give Hulk his moment I think in that... Well, I mean, three hours of a movie, they might I, take 15 I minutes. Hope. They, they 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 gave us all these dream sequences in Age of Ultron, and there was nowhere near the runtime as Endgame. So if they can give us uh, Thor Ragnarok setup in Age of Ultron, I think they can give us something with Bruce Banner and Hulk. As far as I've heard, with Endgame, it's gonna be like the, the like guys like guys that didn't get much screen time in Infinity War are gonna get all the all the shine. Oh, so in basically, Endgame. an hour and a half of that movie is gonna be Ant Man and Hawkeye. Oh, and Cap, you gotta give it to Cap. Cap was only in uh, freaking Infinity War for like eight eight minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> and speaking of um, people's roles in these movies, another thing I was saying about the Hulk, the first issue I was saying was an issue is that you, the whole movie he will be spending kind of passive, even though you want him to be aggressive. Um, the second issue is that the Hulk, even and this is even stated in the comics, is a terrible teammate. He's a horrible, terrible teammate unless he has control over his Hulk-like form. Because if not, they give us a little bit of that. Yeah, if, if not, he is a he's a humongous child. And so, um, in the comics, I think in issue three of the Avengers, he's like, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm off this. Like, I'm not doing this anymore." And he leaves. He leaves the Avengers because yeah, you see a lot of that in Earth's Mightiest Heroes too. But then look at the first two Avengers movies. The first one. The best, one of the best Avenger, uh, Hulk scenes is Hulk going crazy on the Avengers because he's on the ship. Yeah. He's on the airship or whatever. The uh, helipad. Hella Helicarrier. Carrier. And then in Age of Ultron, it's him against the Hulkbuster. He doesn't even join the fight with Ultron. He boogies from there. He goes to Ragnarok from there. Um, and so it's such a... It's such a weird character to play because you're barely ever the key. You're barely ever the... Deciding factor. You're barely ever the... I mean, uh, he did help in the Battle for New York, but it's never really about him, you know? It's never really about Bruce Banner. It seems like they really... Like, the villains just use him against the Avengers. But that's... And they show how easy he is to be used against the Avengers, and that's something that they're going to have to fix in Endgame. Or at least he's going to have to get his moment of, like, this is why I'm on this team. Uh, I smash, you know? I smash these holes or something. Hulk, smash. He's got to... Yeah, he's got to do something like that. No! Um... Yeah, but Norton and Ruffalo are supposedly boys. They're supposedly homies. And um, he said it was an honor to take... The They're Eskimo movie. brothers. Oh, my gosh. Are they really Eskimo <laughs> oh, brothers? Oh, goodness. <laughs> my gosh. Are um, they? They got fucked over by the same studio. Oh, that's oh okay. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he said that Ed has bequeathed this part to me. I look at it, look at it as my generation's Hamlet. 
Also, Ruffalo is the first actor to perform the Hulk live on set via performance capture. Yes, he and, is the first uh, person to and Bruce Banner have um, what's his face, um, Lou Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno. Yep, yeah. that was the first uh, Avengers was the first movie where Lou Ferrigno wasn't the mocap, and I remember that being big. Yeah, because Lou Ferrigno is always the mocap. So yes, the first um, cinematic Bruce Banner and um, yeah, but it started getting weird. Like it's not, like look at him in the end game. <laughs> have you seen have you seen that image that's going around online where they um where somebody gave the Hulk uh Edward Nor- um I mean uh Mark Ruffalo's skin tone and it's oh, just Oh uh, my god. <laughs> and it's just a stretched out Mark Ruffalo. I mean he was, yeah. like, it was very, he was very close to him in Ragnarok as well. Like if you look at some of those um Ragnarok was a really good mocap work for Hulk though, I yeah. felt because it was all Hulk all the time. But so, I do think it's I do think it's unique. I do think that for the most part, when we think of the Hulk in the Hulk form, we think of one sort of look. And yes, it's, it's, face, it's never yeah. I'm saying it's never it's never a look derived from how Bruce Banner looks, though. You know no, saying? yeah, that's 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 what makes it weird for me now because it's like Hulk has become well, I mean, I guess technically the Hulk should have always just been a stretched out Bruce Banner. So right. for it to right, now right, finally right. look like a stretched out green Bruce Banner, it's getting weird. Yeah, yeah. Because it's always supposed to look like a completely different entity. <laughs> yeah, as exactly. opposed to yeah. Because I guess I guess as we find out later on, like as we've found out in, in like comics and everything, like the Hulk is a completely different entity. Like it's not like a angry Bruce it's not an angry green Bruce. You yeah. like it's it's a person. That's another person in there. Yeah, yeah, that and that's a big deal. But I like Ruffalo. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Chris Hemsworth as the Prince of Asgard, Thor, reprising his role from Thor. Uh, the final choice for the role of Thor came down to Chris or Liam Hemsworth. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the actual. Sorry, brothers. little brother. I must take this one. And, My um, God, Chris Hemsworth is screwing over brothers in MCU and in real life. And Tom Hiddleston um, also had tried out for Thor. There's I actual saw that. footage. Of I him. saw that. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Definitely saw that. With audition. the blonde wig and the uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> that would, that he, wouldn't have worked anyway. He Too gained small. some muscle, but yeah, I don't think I don't think it was enough. Um, for instance, Chris Hemsworth had to increase and expand his food intake in order to maintain the physique. Which uh, it consisted of eating chicken breast, fish, steak, and eggs every day. Nope, I can't do it. He had to. He, I, can I can do it without the fish. I think I do it anyway. The, the f- I, <laughs> I think you do do it. Anyway. I've been to your house. I think that's all you eat. Listen, uh, he consumed his own body weight in grams of protein. He Jesus said. Christ! Yeah, so. What? Really? What the? Fu- how do? How do you? <laughs> okay, like, yo, how his, is that possible? Yo, his okay. his bowel movements must be <laughs> terrible. It, hey, listen, he's worthy. He uh, is. Yeah. Is he like married or something? Like, does he have a wife who has to I suffer think through Chris those? Bath- married. Check that. Check on that, Dan. I'm have to, I know his. I'll, I'll I, know his I know. That. I know Liam is married. I don't know about Chris. But I know that um his longest role prior to this franchise was on the Australian soap opera Home and Away, where he played lifeguard Kim Hyde. Yeah, I knew nothing of Chris Hemsworth before like Thor. Looks like a freaking lifeguard. Now that you mention that, he looks like a dude with the with the lotion on his nose. You know, like. So how do you um, how do you feel about Chris Hemsworth's story, Yogi? I I guess I like I like I love I really liked his story. I mean I guess he didn't. Okay, so like I got I guess while we're talking about Thor, I should say like I was part of the minority I guess that enjoyed the first Thor film. Like I didn't I didn't like of course nobody really likes Dark World, but um I didn't think it was like horrible. 
Yeah. But it wasn't like it wasn't like rewatchable. Right, <laughs> it's right, like right. a one and done, like a one and done. I'm done with this. I'll never have to see it again. Yeah. But the first Thor, I really liked. Like I liked, um, I I liked the. It, it felt like Thor. It felt like the Thor. I, it felt every. They got everything perfect. You got to see Asgard. Asgard was beautiful. More than ra- the, more than Dark Worlds though. Like you felt uh, that was more of a Thor movie than Dark Worlds. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing. Like in the first Thor movie, you had. Um, it was like the origin story, so you got all the all the basic Thor stuff that everybody knows. So it was like when we get to Dark World, now we start doing our own thing a little bit. We are using um the 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 uh, Malekith and everything, but the first Thor movie actually felt more like a Thor movie than uh, Dark World. But I guess Cat like, Dennings basic. I love Cat <laughs> Dennings. Cat <laughs> Dennings was my favorite part of both those movies, and um. I, it's not just because I'm attracted to her. Uh, <laughs> don't let my don't let my wife hear this. I like the disclaimer. <laughs> I like the disclaimer. No, oh, no. Man. The first Thor movie was like a great Thor movie, but I understand like after that, where do you go? You know, so I get I Definitely. get why uh, Ragnarok was what it was, and why Helmsworth says like. Uh, I guess he was getting tired of playing Thor, but then Ragnarok reignited his flame. So now yeah. he's like, I'll stick around forever if you want me to. <laughs> so I guess whatever it takes. I can, I enjoy I enjoy comedic Thor too sometimes. As a, I guess as a supporting character more than like a two hour film of just like Saturday Night Live style clips <laughs> and so, everything. So I, I'm in the middle of both. I think I I like Thor. I actually do like Dark World too. Um. I um I I definitely like his look in Dark World more yeah. than I do in Thor One. So like, because I don't like there's parts of Thor One that I don't like, and there's parts of Thor Two that I don't like. So they're kind of on the same level for me, um because I like them equally. Um, but what I cannot say, you know, what I cannot deny without a shadow of a doubt is the um increased confidence level that you see in Ragnarok and in Endgame of that character, um. Okay, and um, um, Infinity War. Infinity like, War, sorry, the, yes. The the Infinity War iteration of Thor is the absolute best version of Thor we've ever gotten in the MCU. Okay, okay. so broken yeah. but still everything, confident. Everything about that Thor, like even the freaking entrance, which of course, like is what it's like the greatest freaking entrance in superhero films. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Every everything about Thor in in uh. In Infinity War and hopefully in Endgame is like perfect. Like the Russo brothers, I just want them to clone themselves into like eight Russo brothers so that they can do just keep. Yeah, they just have forever. to keep making all the MCU films because <laughs> as long as they keep at least writing the scripts for these MCU films, that they're all going to be amazing. It's a, and I like the tone that each one goes, but I, I am mean, also dude, on the other oh. side of I don't like Thor at all. The first one, I, do, I be, be, besides the first twenty minutes. Once he gets to Earth, everything else is eye roll nation for me. When he breaks the mug in the diner, don't like it. When, when, when he's like, well, I do what? like when he's beating up the people trying to find Mjolnir. And I do love when he walks into that pet shop asking yeah, for the biggest scene. horse. Yeah. That That is like, that, that's where you get your uh, like shades of, okay, Thor can be funny. A lot of the first Thor movie is, there is going to be a funny Thor in the future. And we have Ragnarok for it. But, other than that, there was just there was more bad moments than good moments for that Thor. So to come in and watch him in Avengers totally changed my entire idea of 
maybe I should give these like, the first film a chance again. Maybe I should start liking Thor more because I loved him in Avengers. Really? I don't think in, in Avengers 1? Yeah. I don't even think he got to be that. He didn't really get. Um, I mean, for me, it's like he had some parts. Like he did some, like when and he when first he got When he had to... his screen time, he did it perfectly. That's the thing. Like, no, I agree with you. He didn't have enough screen time yeah. where you get familiar <laughs> with him. But when he was on screen, it was great. That whole Dutch angle tilt when, when everybody's like arguing. And he's like, you people are so petty and tiny. And small. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Because that's something Thor would say. He would be in the background like, look at you small people fighting like ants. But again, ants. like. In Avengers One, I still felt it still kind of felt like the same Thor I got in uh, Thor One. So I was like, well, we like, was probably just like taking a lot of what Kenneth Branagh did. And, well, like, I also yeah. like that we didn't had we didn't barely had him in the cape, man. I like the cape, bro. The cape. We didn't have. The, I don't remember. I, He's I, like in like he, this vest thing the whole time. Oh yeah, he yeah. lost the cape. He lost the cape just straight. He never took it off. It's just like one scene he came back and it was gone. And yeah, he was walking around like that for a while. And I was like, "Where's the cape, bro? You just like you have like this kind of weird." Because yeah, didn't he come in with the so cape majestic. when he was like when he first went to grab Loki? I don't yeah, know. he came yeah, in. He, he came in with the because you see he the cape in, flying in the wind when he's on top of that Quinjet. That's the Tony Stark joke. Does Doubt's mother you know no, you, you wear, wear her drapes? <laughs> but yeah. then um, then he rocks that weird outfit and uh, that the but towards the end of the movie when he finally gets Molnir when he when he falls out of the helicarrier and he wakes up and he grabs Molnir and he he gets the lightning and it gives him that new outfit with the metal arms oh, and yes, uh, yes, yes. I like I really like that. I like that. I remember I was like, that. Man, we didn't see I remember that. that he was able to uh craft his own I kind of like that scene a lot. Outfit with uh yeah, when that was and then Thor when, when he, he what, grabbed the hammer and yeah. all the uh the chainmail was going down his arm. And I like that because you don't, you, it, you, it's not specifically stated whether or not he felt unworthy, and he couldn't pick up Mjolnir, or like it, like it looks like he doesn't, like he couldn't grab Mjolnir for a second. I felt the way he cringed his fist was he doesn't feel worthy. He let his brother go. He let the team down, or, so, you and know all that weird? questioning. I like so. I don't think we were ever shown Thor getting Mjolnir, and so uh, just getting into some of the recent comics. You're always in the, in the, uh, what do you call it? The, the, the second act of a Thor story, right? Because always in the comics, he's, he's, you're always he's in like the second eight act. Million years old. You understand? So like, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like he should have had a little bit more arrogance towards the Earthlings in this. Um, where he kind of has the arrogance, not in a dickish way, to the Guardians. You like? Did you feel yeah. that? Like when he's on that ship with the Guardians, he's all like, "Yeah, y'all cool, but I got something I gotta do." You know what I'm saying? Like I got places. I No, yeah, he be. was being. You no, know, in that when he met stuff. the Guardians, he was like, "I want your ship. I got." And it's a little take your. Food. Well, I mean, at that point, his brother was just died. Maybe like twenty. His best minutes friend was, was killed. There's a little bit of it. There's a little bit of it in Avengers because he does a little bit of like, I get what y'all getting, what y'all trying to do, but that's my brother. So like. You know what I'm no, like, that's what he was trying to like stop the squabbles. He's like, "Listen, you guys can do whatever you got to do after I get my brother and I go." You know, so there there was a little bit of that there, but um, I I guess like I said again, it's more of the confidence that I think is the biggest difference. That when I look back at this Avengers film, I feel like um, uh, Chris was still trying to find his footing as uh Thor. Well, also narratively, that's he was still very he was still told he wasn't he wasn't worthy by his father, and, well, he, and he still and. Oh, but, because be- at well, that point, hadn't wasn't he worthy already? Yeah, he like, has that. Well, he, he was he was worth he was worthy by like, when he grabbed Mjolnir in in Texas, but he didn't see his father till until uh, Ragnarok. Like, oh no, no, sorry, he didn't see his father till Dark Worlds, 
right? Like for the whole first Thor movie. He went so to Earth and then didn't see his father for the rest of the movie? No, because he kills... No, he doesn't kill Loki. Loki falls through the Rainbow Bridge. And then he goes back. Yeah, uh, Odin's fine. Well, I thought he was in Odin's sleep. No, no, no that's... He, that's uh, he does that's, that in preparation. Oh, yeah, that was... Yeah, that's like one of his... He was like just hibernating. He wasn't like put in Odin's sleep or whatever. But let, let's talk about that guy. Let's talk about Loki a little bit. Um, oh, my God. This was, like, the best villain that I've seen Tom up Hiddleston to this point. Loki reprising his role from Thor, and I think he was also in a post-credit for something. I yeah, remember. I, I remember a post-credit. I'm trying um, to remember what it was. He has not only, you know, grown in both the roles of Thor and Avengers, but he's been in all the Thors at this point, um, and he's really a, a, a beloved part of the MCU. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, movies. he's about as... He's about as big a part of the MCU as any of the other characters by no, this point. Yeah, the, the the girls swoon for Tom Hiddleston. That I have that I have here. female cousins. I have little sisters. They all swoon for Tom Hiddleston. So like Thor, to, like, the the Thor series is like more beloved for females. I've I've noticed. Yeah. Than anything. Of course, look at the main characters. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Norse gods. Well, yeah. Chills about the laughing. chin. I always, I always think it's weird, though, because, like, I know towards the end he starts getting played as an anti-hero, and, like, but I'm like, this dude, like, we were in Avengers, like, in Avengers, we watched him kill, like, how many dozens upon yeah, dozens? Yo, yeah. he pulled a dude's <laughs> eye out in front of everybody think, at a gala. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think he killed, like, 80 people, they said. I think there was a number that was thrown out there. I feel like it was 80. No, yeah, they said like, he's killed, oh. like, 60 people in, like, two days or something. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I was like, wow. That's, that's another thing that I, like, after, like, watching this movie with hindsight being 2020, they legitimately had no problems making him unapologetically evil in this. Even while yeah, Thor is Well, we needed him to be to... unapologetically evil, at least for this movie, or the threat wouldn't be imminent. Yeah, he was I... given weapons from the T'Chari and from the but son, I also children wonder, of Thanos. Like, I also wonder, like, it, it is great that they were able to have Loki, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, play in Thor and then extend it to here because I do wonder if they had a blank slate for a villain, who else would have been marquee enough to take on the entire Avengers? I mean, Loki's one of the characters, literally the first character that takes on the Avengers in the comics. So they, yep. they, they went straight from there. Um, but... You know, Ironmonger ain't doing this. You understand? Like, we ain't doing the Ironmonger movie. We ain't, you can't we ain't doing get the, Age of uh... Ultron without the first Avengers. Yeah. You can't get Infinity War without setting up 10 movies. And so, so... Loki, Loki already being established, I think, was really, like, that was a godsend for them, no pun intended. Um, because him, um, you, we already knew his brand of evil, his level of trickery, uh, his level of deceit and betrayal, the things he was willing to do to his brother and his father just to get the throne. And so, this Avengers is in many ways the revenge of Loki, you know, stemming from Thor. Also, Tom Hiddleston, well, not Tom, but Loki in general was given a lot of, like, like character development, like, in front of us for Thor. Like, you, you see the, the scene where he doesn't know, where he learns the truth that he's a frost giant, arguing with his brother about not being part of the family. Like, you see Loki as somebody that's looking for retribution, and we want to give it to him because he, he, was, he was essentially stolen. Well, he has a pretty bad father, but that's... A, that's he was essentially... You know, yeah, well, no, this, <laughs> yeah, this is the Jonathan Kent oh, of, of the MCU we're talking. Oh, dear. Don't even... Don't get... Don't... don't let's not do this. Let's not do this. I will... 
spend I will spend twenty minutes defending Jonathan Kent. We don't oh, have time for this. <laughs> we do not have time for this. We, we... <laughs> what do you think? What do you think though uh, of jo- of Tom Hiddleston uh, headlining this as as the series main villain? That's perfect. That's the way it's supposed to be. See, this is the thing about MCU movies where they don't really follow, like, unless it's Winter Soldier, but they don't really follow any particular comic book storylines. Like, they'll give you a title and the movie is like like Civil War. You thought Civil War? Oh, it's going to be Civil War. It wasn't really Civil War. It was their own Civil War. <laughs> but like Or Ragnarok. It's like, oh, we're going to see Ragnarok. No, not really. But, um, so, so, but they, but, but, they do like every all the characterization about of everyone make feels so right that you're just like all right I'll, I'll accept it. So when it came to the first Avengers movie and they actually like they actually took that inspiration from the first Avengers story used Loki had him uh t- had him kind of use the Hulk against the Avengers for a little while anyway kind of yeah. I guess that was more of a nod to the fact that that's what the first story was right. But um, well, someone I like have, you would understand that that's a nod. You know, like, yeah, yeah. The, the, the average moviegoer is not going to realize, holy crap, this is exactly what I read when I was a kid. But you will. Well, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that anybody who went to see Avengers 1 was uh, reading that when they were a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it might have been, what was that, that like, like 19? Yeah, yeah. The no. it, I so think like, it's kind of poetic that, this, that the Avengers <laughs> team was basically created to uh, combat or at least compete with the Justice League. And at least financially, it, it's done its fair share of uh, competing. Well, like I was telling I you before say. we got into this, before we started the show, like that what I what the MCU does that no comic book film series franchise or, or just property in general does is they turn real movies into comic book stories and series. So you have twenty five movies, you have ten different franchises across eleven years, and this is a real this is how real comic books work. Where you you would have to read somebody else's story Epis- to understand episodic, yeah. The, the, yeah episodic yeah it's episodic movies who does this how do you do this well, how do you turn it Lucas like this Lucas has been trying bro he's been trying to tell you George Lucas has been trying to tell you and that's why episode. George Lucas was brought on for I think <laughs> but, for, um, for one for one of the think, MCU movies I'm mad that you say that like I think that there is gonna be a point where there is too much backstory for the average moviegoer to just walk into theaters and and enjoy what they're giving. So oh, I want to yeah, know. Yeah, we like, got to that what? point now with with Infinity War, where people are yeah, even saying, things, "I don't want to yeah. have to watch all these movies just to understand who Thanos is." Luckily, luckily, so many people are invested that we can be like, you know, I don't care if you don't want to see this many movies. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I honestly believe, you know, Yogi's got a good point because we're at. We're at a big moment now with this Endgame thing, but um, it's going to be up to them how much they continue from Endgame, you know, because even, and we laugh about this, you know, on the comic side of things, but you can get to a point where a comic series is five years in and all of a sudden they're like, well, this is way too much continuity for people. You know what I'm saying? Like, this 10 years is too much, so we're going to have to, you know, rebrand, restart. And but is it? It's like there's a there's a balance, okay? Like you can't you can't wipe the slate clean because then you you're betraying the people who've invested all their time. Dude, I've been watching yeah. this and, since I was thirteen know, like, years old. You know, they're committed. Exactly, they're committed. They're very committed. So it's like you don't want. There's a balance. You want to, I guess, like right. I guess I guess we're at that point now with Endgame, where you want to end the Infinity Saga, or like that's what they're calling it, right? The Infinity yeah. Saga. Yeah. You want to end it and you want to move on to the next thing, but you don't want to like reboot and act like none, nothing no, ever happened. You were one hundred percent right on that. You were, and I don't think I don't know if they know the difference between 
rebooting and just ending a story and starting a new one with without having to give us a new set of characters we don't well like get give us the new yeah, set of characters like we know we, we can't no go ahead go ahead oh no um we 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 uh we like like you were saying like we're at that point where where i guess the, it's kind of like perfection like maybe i guess what's the word serendipity that yeah, serendipity we, <laughs> now that they've now at this point, right when they were ending the story of the Infinity Saga, they got access to the rest of the Marvel characters that they never did before. Because it's like now we actually have enough of uh, enough toys in our toy chest to to play a new game and not completely throw away what we've done already. Like we can focus on the X Men, we can focus on the Fantastic Four or whatever, but, and they can. In the same should. way, but in the same way, you know, um, and. This is probably gonna start a whole new argument. Uh, I felt welcomed by a movie like Force Awakens, which which kind of retreaded um, old ground because it I felt like it allowed me to go back into a fandom that I wasn't a hundred percent dedicated to. I did not know all the extended edition lore. I had not played all the video games. I wasn't in for all the speculation of what force awakens was but i still wanted to see a good movie and i still wanted to be entertained and i didn't feel like i should be shortcutted because of that and be and um they never made me feel that way uh whereas i can feel like eventually if marvel sticks too close to this uh you know like if if the end game attitude continues or sorry the infinity war attitude continues which is listen you've either seen these or you haven't that can't play on forever you know? Yeah, no, because no, no, it's like I have to see what, Captain Marvel to, to enjoy Endgame. End Why yeah, should like I have to point, watch that? Ahead, like, yeah, at this point with Endgame, it's like you you have you've either seen these or you haven't. Get yes. on the boat or don't, because there's so many people who have that they're guaranteed to make a, over a billion dollars. Like, so it's like yeah, you've seen it or you haven't. But after Endgame, like I'm really I don't want to say concerned because a part of me is concerned, but um. I'm. I don't know that I am ready to like let go of. <laughs> that's maybe. That's maybe what it is. No, I'm one hundred percent with you on that one. <laughs> but um, at the same time, I'm anticipating what's gonna come next. Well, like there's so many different routes they can go, but it's not even about what comes next. It's like are I know it's been eleven years, but are we truly done telling certain stories we have to tell? And that I mean, maybe I we are. We are. I know logically, we are. But like with the letting go, it's like maybe I could see one more Captain America movie. Yeah, I want to see them. I don't want to see them die. You know, like I'm not ready. No, for no, one hundred percent. At least don't kill them. <laughs> at least don't kill you know? them. Because then know? you leave it open for cameos down the line. You know, like, like, you, like you you took away Captain. Didn't they take away Captain America's powers in the comics? Well, another thing is, I like as long that's this that's the weird Stockholm syndrome I'm in with these with these movies is that as long as they don't die, in my eyes, their existence is ongoing. Like they could just be anywhere. They're just in another state, or they're just in another time, or they're just in another planet. Like as long as I they stay that. alive. That leaves it open for me. I just want to know that they're alive. I don't even need to see them. But I am getting, the, I am getting the nerves. You know, this is one of the longest things I've been committed to as far as a form of entertainment. Is this like the longest wrestling. comic book movie so far? This like is the longest runtime? comic book movie franchise. 
No, I'm talking about runtime for a oh, film. Oh, and the movie itself, yeah, three hours. Because how long is? Yeah, is it? How long was the the, the 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 original Batman vs Superman? Not the not the ultimate edition. Like the theatrical cut was only like what like, two the hours. That was two and a half hours. Yeah, two, this... and a half, two hours and forty minutes or something like that. So then this beats it by three like twenty hours, minutes. It's like three hours and two minutes supposedly when when all said without without post credit. How long was how long was like Dark Knight? Dark Knight was like two hours fifteen minutes. All of those really? no one cut. Uh, no like, way, Dark Knight was two hours. No, 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 no. Because I feel like they were really. Because I feel like I remember running to watch it with my wife, and she's like, "I'm not watching a three-hour movie." But I don't was remember. It maybe just because it, it feels so. Maybe because I've seen it a thousand times. That that movie's like three movies. No, same thing with Rises. <laughs> Rises is like three freaking movies. Yeah, two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. So I was for, off by fifteen for, minutes. Uh, Dark Knight, uh, and then Dark Knight Rises is two. Two hours and forty-five minutes. Wow. Rises is freaking long. No, it rises. And I feel like I feel rises, but I hope I don't feel. I don't feel Infinity War. No, because you know what the problem was is like you don't get Batman till forty-five minutes in. So then it's the next two hours of Batman in in Nandapar Bat and as a captive, and then you have Gordon in in the hospital. So it's like there's a lot going on that you don't want to see in Rises yeah. that it feels long. But there's going to be so much going on in, in Endgame that you want to see that this movie's going to go by in no time. I'm kind of speculating two battles in that movie. I mean, that's just what I'm seeing. I want I'm all the battles. I want I'm all the battles. I'm seeing, a, I'm seeing one failure and then one triumphant at the end. That's I what think I'm that's seeing. how most... Com- like if, I've, if I can remember correctly, most comic book movies have... The, the bad guy and the good guy do three initial meetups. It's the very first time they ever lock eyes with each other. It's like, oh my god, this is what I'm up against. Then it's the second time they ever meet up is their first fight and the bad guy usually overcomes. And then it's the last fight where it's like, okay, now I gotta take my responsibility and do what I have to. It's like, I've always seen it that it's usually well, two which, fights, three meetups. What's special with Endgame is that we've already had that. So like, if we do get two battles, it'll be two full-on Full yeah. on, like I want an end hour of the movie Imagine battles. An hour you know, like, battle. An God, hour battle. I think I'm gonna get one of those next week with Game of Thrones. Don't, I think, don't take I think an hour long battle is too long. But um, I would love if I, you know, it's been rumored that there might be some time travel hijinks going on in this. And if that's the case, that's where you jump the shark I would for love, me. I would love. But the thing is, like, we we've already gone, we've already gotten this far. Like to me, there's literally nothing. And I'm also watching Doom Patrol. Like, there's nothing you can throw at me that I'm going to be like, this is, this is too ridiculous. I, I've gone, I've gone this far in. It's, it's, you know, well, I think, this is my well, girlfriend which is now. And now she wants you to, that's it. look, this is my girl. Now she wants to do manis and petties and she wants me to get into the bath bomb stuff. You understand? It's like, I've already been in this long. We've already been in. <laughs> I've already been to the spa. Yeah. yeah. His nails are painted already. You exactly. My nails are painted already, bro. Like I'm already sitting here. It is ridiculous. <laughs> it might be, but I'm already here. I'm still here. I'm <laughs> yeah. here for it. Yeah, what um, And so if there is time travel, and if that time travel does come after their initial first battle with Thanos, I would love to see them get massacred. I would love to yeah, see... Yeah, that's what I want to see. Oh, I want to see them yeah, destroyed, ruined. Yes. Like, half of them are dead. I would know, love like... it to be... Because I think also, uh, I think there's a lot of people that's on that same boat of the time travel might be the jump the shark moment. But I do think... That if it's shown that that's literally the only way, like the they try to go and just fight space. But that's space, what, if you're about to say that that's rap- the only way you can beat him. That's called plot armor, and it's like you're better than that. Not that, not no, that other movie. Here's mo- my thing. Okay, when we talk about plot armor, right? A plot is a plot. Without the movie, without the plot, you don't have a movie. Like, I anything, anything that I don't want to say anything that the movie gives me, but, but, but coming from 
having read so many freaking comic books. <laughs> like, yeah. I am, I, I'm more open to accept all of these things because that's the way it was set up. That's the story that we're being told. Is it a, is true, it true. a, uh, I don't see that as a bad thing. I don't see like I, I guess, plot armor as a thing. I, I, I think I know Yogi. Like, saying. I just, would, Yogi's saying that it would be like saying time travel is plot armor in Back to the Future. Well, what I'm trying to say is like if it's, it's written in the plot and that's how it's supposed to get to the end. Yeah, you know. I guess. I guess. I, you know. Yeah, but you, know, you could also write yourself out of any situation with with time travel. That's, that's my thing with time travel. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, right? That's usually how any story works. You're supposed to no, put no, them in a you, situation. You are one hundred percent right. But the thing <laughs> yeah. about the MCU is the way that they craft their getting out of these situations. I would feel like time travel is a bit beneath them. Not that they can't handle it well. It's just that. They've done so much better things. That I seen. I, I seen mean, don't, yeah. did you did you see the end of Infinity War? <laughs> that's that's exactly what happened, though. Yeah, they thought they, 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 thought they, 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 thought they, they thought they got it, and then he's like, "No, no, let me turn this back five minutes." Yeah, <laughs> you know? and right there, right then and there, that's what I love about the MCU's writing, where it's like, "Holy crap, this is an ex machina. This is the power of conveniences." We have Thor about to come out of literally out of the sky. To stop Thanos, and nope, he still snaps his no, fingers. No, but you know, if you if you really want to think about it, the real plot convenience is Thanos being able to turn back time to get Vision Stone because Vision Stone was blown up. Yeah, that too. right. Vision Stone was exploded. That's that's, that's, that's time travel. Saying. That's but the time the travel that I'm talking time, about. At the same time, this is this is an Infinity Stone. These are the things yeah. that we've been conditioned to know. So shouldn't they not Marvel. be able to break easily? Shouldn't you be you able to not destroy you an Infinity Stone? Can't see my hands, but I'm doing the no, I'm doing the Grandmaster's hands. Oh, no, the Collector's <laughs> hands when he saw the first oh. Infinity Stone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you know what? You know what? Uh, why another reason why Yogi doesn't have an issue with this? I can tell you right off the bat because Yogi's read a little story called Age of Ultron, and in Age of, <laughs> and in Age of Ultron, Ultron wins. I love Age of Ultron. Ultron guts the world, no, the I, Avengers, I loved Age of everybody, Ultron. I didn't and they that. go back in time about four times in Age <laughs> yeah, of Ultron. It's so hilarious. Because he's like, I gotta go back in time to fix this. Now I gotta go back in time to fix the fix that I tried to, to fix. Go send, I have to go stop me from going back in time. It and so I would accept something like that. And so you see like Wolverine and then the Wolverine going back in time to stop Wolverine, but he can't wear the other Wolverine suit because that guy's wearing it. It's a whole thing. But he's gonna it, kill himself. It's very it's very <laughs> literally the same thing. It's very literally like you need to go back and stop him from even making Ultron. Like not not that we're gonna go to a point where we can beat him. No, screw that. We're gonna cut him off at the umbilical cord. Like we're not even gonna get here. Where I feel like where I feel like the time travel here is probably gonna be um, better for two reasons. One, because um, they're not just gonna like kill baby Thanos in the crib, and then that would really solve everything. They're gonna. Yeah, I was they're just gonna thinking about around. that. That's yeah. what they should do. Yeah, <laughs> but they probably should. They probably should. But part two is, uh, I think that we are going to get a cinematic, and this 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 might be bad or good depending on how you look at it. But a cinematic like trip down memory lane, and I think yes. that when yes. we get, I think that when we do get that. I'm going to cry every 20 minutes. So it's good. So, so, so <laughs> I can see for a send-off. You know Like, yeah. for a send-off, I feel like the time travel yeah. motif is going to be used to montage oh the 10 God, years. Oh, my God. If I have of, to see... Of, of, oh, I'm going to cry. Movies. Now that I think about it, I am going to cry. And, uh, yeah, it's just going to it's gonna take everything away from me. It's going to take my life force from me. <laughs> yeah, basically, man. 11 years. 11 years. You guys were in your 20s, but I, was a, I, was, I just You're turned a teenager. 14 years old. Here's, 
here's something I don't want though when it comes to the time travel. I don't want them to to come back after everything is said and done and the world is like reset. You know, no, the like world should be different. Yeah, no. I, I'm feeling that though. A lot like, of movies I, do that. I, I, I don't want it, but I I'm, I can Spider-Man almost. Trailer. Yeah, you know that they freaking. They, it's almost like the way that they're just on vacation in Europe. <laughs> like immediately Wait, wasn't after. Far from home is supposed to be the the lead up to Infinity War. Wasn't he supposed yeah. to be coming back on like like uh, that's why I could have sworn I heard that. Myself, and then they, and then I was reminded that Dude, Far From Home wrong. supposedly starts minutes after the end of Endgame. So, what? Like, I mean, listen, uh, I, I, we, it's weird because, like I said again, it, it, you, you, you introduce a lot of things when, when you, with the, if the main cast that we were just talking about, those, those uh, guys and gals, and I'll bring up Jeremy Renner in a second, uh, if they do uh, go or if they do die. Um, the the world, the entire world is gonna look different. It will be changed uh, irreparably. And I also feel like if they don't die, they're gonna have to answer for that a lot. I think the movie a not lot. not only will that world change, our world will change. We live in a world where we're not. A, we live in a world. Sorry, we um we're at a point where when something happens in Winter Soldier, like three helicarriers crashing into you know Washington D.C., people go, "Where are the Avengers?" Right. And so, if we get to a point where we stop telling stories about Thor, Hulk, Cap, and Iron Man, and but they're still alive, people are gonna start asking asking questions. Yeah, people well, start like, saying, where's like, the repercussions? Yeah, where, where are they? Yeah, but come on, this is big, right? Like Thor's not coming in for this, like you know. But to tell you the truth, man, if they can if they can keep him alive and keep him on ice, that's legit. The Darth Vader Rogue One cameo in every Marvel movie oh, after the yeah, fact. Basically. You understand? Like in any Marvel movie after the fact, you just drop one of the OG four in a twenty second cameo, and you've gotten everybody's. Take, you know, I'll take it. That's I'll take it. I actually, I actually, I'm. I, I don't want them to die. They need to die, though. They need to die. They. I mean, in a way, in a way. In a way, you're kind of right, right? They do, I guess, because of this is the end of the story of the it's Avengers. That. And this could be moving on. Go ahead, brother. What's up? Oh, oh, no, no, go, go, go ahead. ahead. No, could you say <laughs> end of Avengers? Go ahead. No, I was going to say, because this, like this is like the end of the Avengers story that they've been telling, you know, all these years now. So if you really want this to be the end, then yeah, they do got to die. But I kind of like if we're gonna do bigger stories down the line, like let's say we're gonna do we're gonna do Galactus, right? Let's say we do Galactus. Yes. We I want to see the Avengers. Like I want to see them again. I want to see them up against Galactus. I want to see them standing next to X Men. Like there's still so much I want to see. <laughs> I'm not like we we've just got the X Men back, and I don't want to live in a world where we just missed having Cap and Wolverine trade freaking war stories. Like I don't know. I don't know. I, I Illuminati was, man, we could we could do Illuminati but man. Like you can't do Illuminati without Iron Man, Doctor Strange. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, and that's why I get like I'm in I'm in this relationship with MCU, so I don't want to break up for better characters because I feel like I want the weight of the time that these characters have been these characters. Um, uh, not to not to you know dampen one light to to raise the other, but I feel like the gravitas of BVS would have worked better with 10, 10 years of films behind it. Yeah. You understand? Like, no, the DC same way we're going totally with rushing Endgame everything. now. Yeah, the same way we're going with Endgame now and the weight of all those films and how they will reflect that, I feel like a battle like that with the weight that it has means more. So I, I fear that some of the movies in the beginning may not weigh as much, 
But it's a silly fear in my eyes because these initial films didn't weigh as much until they did. And, and so, we still get we right. still kind of get new characters every now and then. That and I'm we have worried. the media, we have the yeah. interim characters. We have the Ant Mans and the Black Panthers and the Doctor Strange's, the ones Honestly, who have I think, played in both I worlds. Think, and, and I think Ant Man suffers from what you're talking about. You think he's going? like I think I think he suffers from what you're mentioning right now, like the okay. lack of weight in his movies, yes, and they happen I to agree. come right after movies that have. Yeah, they seem like they're giving him more responsibility in Endgame than anything else. Yeah, like, no, I get it. Like, the, the, it's a very odd placement of his movie releases because they always release after a humongous Avengers movie, as if yeah. he's not part of that thing. And this this Avengers Endgame, you know, that poster is the first Avengers poster he's on. Yeah, but you also they also did a good job of telling his story of like, um, he isn't an Avenger. He isn't one of those superhero guys. He was just a guy that just wanted to bond <laughs> with his daughter. He had his own. He literally had his own world, and he was pulled into that Avengers world. Without his, without his um actual consent, he's just a really Scott. That Scott Lang that they portray is such a nice guy. That's Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd has such a big smile. Would you, would you see Paul Rudd saying no to Captain America if Captain America asked him for help? Nah, I think um, I think Paul, Paul Rudd does a. Yeah, but I, I don't know Scott Lang that well. I know neither I do I. But I'm just going by like Paul Rudd's like portrayal of uh, of this character I'm seeing. I do like. I do like how likable he makes that character. So I could I could imagine him being like being able to be talked into Captain America's team without even knowing what's going down. And you know he's going to play a bigger role. But talking about people who uh, probably should have played a bigger role, let's talk about the person that's going to round out the original OG six, Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton, aka. I just want to give him a round of applause. Uh, uh, thank you, thank you, Jeremy. Uh, Renner got the kind of got the job after being nominated for his uh, performance in Hurt Locker. Um, and uh, writer-director Josh Whedon also revealed that Jeremy Renner injured himself during a stunt and caused a halt on production for several days because Hawkeye uh, crashed through a window and um, performed the stunt himself, ripping a muscle from his back to his shoulder. Oh my! Does Jesus. that have Does that have anything to do with why he was out of uh, commission for like the first half of the film? I think that would, maybe that would make a lot of sense. That would. Um, and they, they, if that's the reason, I can forgive it. Uh, yeah, as you know, <laughs> Barton was in Thor as well. Uh, Clint Barton uh, made a cameo in Thor first. Yeah, but I, I didn't like his cameo in Thor. Do only, in Thor. Only the, not he him in the little in that high it's up. Place. They made him look no. like he was a bad guy in, in Thor for some reason. Well, because the shield shield was portrayed as bad because they were the antagonist to our protagonist. True, he's trying true. to get the hammer, so she was trying to stop him. So and she he was, was just on that bell guy. tower. He just looked like a sniper ready to kill at yeah, he any was moment. In the nest and doing all that kind of stuff, but. What do you guys think about Hawkeye? What do you guys think about Hawkeye in this film? And what do you guys think about Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye? I mean, I just kind of, I just kind of didn't get enough of him in Avengers when I first saw it. I mean, I'm watching it again. I rem- watching it again, like without having rewatched it, my memory of Avengers was like, man, I didn't get enough Hawkeye. But now rewatch, I rewatched it two days ago to get ready for the podcast, right. and like we got, we got. More Hawkeye than I remember, I would say. I think that's thanks to the very long final battle, like the Battle of New York, uh, oh, being like what, like thirty minutes or something like that. Yeah, it was like How forty-five. Long? It was like a forty. It had to have been like four. The last forty-five minutes. And uh, yeah, quick tangent. I you know I I said a lot about my preference towards the Russos, but it is a a a high wire act um, to juggle this many narratives, this many characters and give them all as much time as, uh, Josh Whedon did. I do honestly believe that regardless of who you're a fan of in this film, you do have a chunk of content to like and appreciate. 
uh, regardless of which character you fancy or which one's your favorite. And I don't think that that's something that's easy. We we saw how um, you know leveling out and and sampling out everybody's you know here's your uh 10 minutes here's your 10 minutes how that may affect the film like in uh, infinity war where you, everyone doesn't get that um and so i do think that it was a monumentous task that whedon was able to still make somebody like hawkeye feel as important as uh, you know black widow thor oh 100 percent. i felt hawkeye was it was like very essential at least to the first like at least the second act I At least when they were taking bit, out the helicarrier. I guess it was also a little weird because we, we spent the majority of the first half of that movie with him as the villain. Yeah, and but, but that's also the trickster elements of Loki that shows like he's he's a force to be reckoned with. He has a staff that could change your your perception of things. Like I, I also, oh, while we're talking about that staff, the Loki part, the staff, the staff, the staff is eventually revealed to be the Mind Stone. Right, it makes no right. sense. But um, he was shooting people with that thing. Yes, yeah. He was. <laughs> Yeah. Because like was, I like I told George I I could have sworn it was the space stone that was in that staff for a second because it's it's no, blue it well, shoots in, these beams in the early days in the I think in Age of Ultron I had gotten officially confused when they had said that there was a stone in the scepter because I did not understand why you would send somebody with a stone to go get a stone because they have to to um, yeah but I get I get that call I get that. That's why the stones have a way of talk of like talking to each other, like well, not, uh, not even just Roman. that. You just kind of want to give him the, but you want to give him the firepower. Yeah, that that, that, just, that too. Yeah, but I just felt like they didn't. I didn't feel like they had a hundred percent, um, uh, faith in Loki, and so to give him one of the things that you really really need to get another thing that you really really need. It's like if I needed something and I gave somebody I didn't trust my car to go get it. You understand? Like it's like Thanos back at zero because that would be his first. Right, right. Wow, yeah. Yeah, he was back at zero. He was he lost (laughs) the Mind Stone in this movie. Uh, so that's how that's how I was like, wait a minute, like, but I I get that. And um, spoiler for those who haven't seen Captain Marvel, but the Tesseract um, you know, played uh, a little bit of a role in that. So you you see how the Tesseract got to the point here. Where it's under shield um, surveillance, surveillance and all that, I guess you would say, under shield custody, and uh, yeah. only on weekends. Yeah, only on weekends. Wasn't uh, it Howard Stark that kind of found it? And yeah, brought yeah, it well, the yeah. That was the that was the first thing that they found in First Avenger before they even found Cap's body. That they found the Tesseract because one of the submarines was like, holding. We found what we've been looking for and Cap's body. Uh, that, that, yeah, that was the that was the lines. Like we found it, sir, but no sign of him. It's like okay, keep looking. They and weren't they even looking. looking. Once they found the thing, they're like we're going home. It's cold out here. <laughs> <laughs> that's so mean. Um, but yeah, that's definitely what happened there. Let's talk a little bit about how you feel about Phil Coulson and uh, Agent Maria Hill. Perfect. Okay. Perfect casting. Like, definitely perfect. Uh, when I, when we talk about Coulson, we have to talk about how when they kept the. His character being the beginning of the rift between Marvel TV and the MCU. Yes. Because when they killed Coulson, Coulson was supposed to die. Coulson was dead. Coulson yep. was supposed to permanently die. And when ABC brought him, when uh, Jeff Loeb and Marvel TV brought him back to life for the Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. show, which I guess was originally supposed to be like, and it originally was very, very closely tied to the MCU. Like even in a, even in Age of Ultron, there was still like the the Nick Fury's helicarrier was like given to him by Coulson, and they spent like three episodes dealing with that type of shit. Yeah. But um, um, I feel, I laugh sometimes because I wonder what it, what the MCU would have looked like had Marvel TV not done 
what they did. And I guess I can imagine someone like Kevin Feige, like who seems to be like a control freak, I guess, according right. to what we've heard from other directors. I can imagine his reaction when he finds out maybe because I'm, I'm sure given the way that they disagreed with what Marvel TV did, that maybe he didn't have control over that. And I'm sure that he was like, OK, from now on, none of that stuff ever touches our uh, what we're planning. But I wonder what would have been like like if, if if that hadn't happened would we have gotten daredevil crossovers like would the marvel netflix oh shows God. have uh, have so ever impacted like i listen to podcasts and reviews and stuff from like the early days of marvel netflix and you could just hear the excitement in people's voices when they're like oh and wait till civil war comes and everybody's going to be on screen oh, oh i was God. i was one of them everybody i was, was one of them that, that thought that the marvel netflix characters was going to be in civil war at least two. I think almost everybody of note, anybody who's notable, has spoken about their desire to see those characters translate. But I do think it's actually pretty ironic that you mentioned that because in many ways, uh, Clark Gregg as Phil Coulson is both the proof of the connectivity in the MCU and the proof against the connectivity in the MCU. Because <laughs> up until up till Avengers, he was the absolute proof that these movies took place in the same universe. Yeah, he was in Thor. Yeah. He was in both the first Iron Man. Yep. Um, and so, um, and then when he does die in this film and then he ends up coming back alive, that ends up proving that they uh, were different. But um, I do like Coulson. I do think he's a great straight man. We don't have a lot of straight men in here. Now we're dealing with Martin Freeman. I yeah. guess it's the new kind of Coulson light. What? Well, it was, what, we, had him, we had him in Civil War and Black Panther, right? Yeah. But I don't think think we had him enough in Civil War. But what we did have him in Black Panther, he was kind of playing like the the oddball out. Yeah, like he doesn't understand that this society the straight, the has blanket, all this technology. The straight, the straight man, the, the wet blanket. The colonizer. Yeah, the colonizer. Well, yeah, the, <laughs> the colonizer. I'll too. feed you to my um, children. Kobe Smothers plays Agent Maria Hill. She almost played Wonder Woman in Josh Wheaton's Wonder Woman that he was going to do for uh, Warner Brothers. Thought that was uh, pretty uh, interesting. Uh, ah. I, I don't know about that. There's a scene in the end <laughs> of this movie where Kobe Smothers is asking Nick Fury, like, well, the Avengers are gone. What do we do when, you know, like, how do we get them back if we need them or whatever? And she looks absolutely movie gorgeous, except for one cut on her on her cheek. And I'm just like, this woman is way too pretty to be in a this scene of the Battle of New York, like, where everybody, because, like, Nick Fury has these cards. Everybody looks so stressed out. I'm like, Kobe Smothers is made up really well in a lot of these scenes where she's supposed to be, like, knocked down, drag out in a war. But maybe that's just the, the pure beauty of Kobe Smothers. That's just Maria Hill, always uh, always graceful and beautiful, no matter the situation. Do you, <laughs> uh, do you think um, Kobe can uh, potentially portray the Maria Hill that we have currently that um, has a lot more stake in the Maria, history. yeah, like I agents think, of like I, the director of Shield, Maria yeah, Hill. Yeah. After after Winter Soldier, one hundred percent. Yeah, director of Shield I, I under Russos, think, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know that. Okay, so are the Russos done after Endgame? I feel like they I are. Heard they were taking yeah, a break for a little bit. They're taking a break at least. Yeah, I heard at least that. So let's just Thanks. let's just throw that in the air that they're taking a break. <laughs> I, I could still un, under Feige. I could still trust that they could do a good Maria Hill. They're gonna take their millions and millions of dollars and take a break. 
if they are going to give us a Maria Hill like that form, like director of Shield, I think they should introduce her. Her her uh, stance as that character in, in Agents of Shield first oh, and you foremost. You know what they're gonna do? They're gonna no, cause they don't want that continuity to be the no. Same. Oh, it's the, yeah. The no one, nothing to do with that. I think oh. it's funny that Agents of Shield still actually keeps that connection. Like at this point, they could have veered off and done whatever the heck they wanted. Well, they wanted, had a whole season of like, like Ghost Rider, and I'm like, like I'm waiting for Ghost be, Rider to pop up in Marvel. I feel like there's yeah, going but then to at the be, end, um, uh, they're gonna do Civil War two with like Hell and 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 Danvers. Or something like that. Oh, I don't know. God, I don't know that. <laughs> if they do do Civil War too, just keep it away. Just I would, I would be well. I would welcome it not being like the comic. <laughs> just kill Rhodey. That's it. That's all you gotta do. Yo, stop, him. man. That's so wrong. Civil War two. Only this time we kill Rhodey. No, I get it. The end of the movie. Spider Man wakes up. He's on the moon with the Inhumans. We have the whole Inhumans. are back. <laughs> the Inhumans are back, baby. And it's Black Bolt. And it's Lockjaw. And it's Medusa. And it's the rest. I feel so bad for the for them. Now that you mentioned the Inhumans, before we move on from them, I feel so freaking bad because they were their own thing. IMAX okay, release, had, Yogi. IMAX release. They no, but they were like they even remember it was originally on the slate. Like we should have got an Inhumans movie by now. Yep. But eventually they, but they wanted to use them as an X Men stand-in, and that's not what they were, and that's what ended up ruining them. And and making them almost unusable right now. We would never see them again. <laughs> like it's uh, it's sad what happened. And I think I, and then, and then the the property got basically mangled by the show. Um, and they even like the it's funny because the reacquisition of the X Men has pushed the Inhumans back again behind the X Men in both uh, cinematic and uh, comic book. I feel like. Uh, yeah, they got they got shafted. They okay. got shafted. And it was weird, man, because the Inhumans were on the shelf forever. Like, from the early Fantastic Four days, they were always there. They were always a property able to be used. And the excitement that they could possibly push them in front of the X-Men, the excitement that they could possibly make Inhumans a new uh, dynamic and demographic across Marvel's entire history. Like, you're an Inhuman, and you're... Oh, you didn't know you were really an Inhuman. You could have... Like, you- they, but I, I hated that. I like I hated that they tried to use Inhumans as mutants. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't like that because the Inhumans are more of a cosmic thing. Yes. Well, I'm more of a more of a space story. Like now that they're starting to get with, space uh, mutants. More of the now that they're trying to get more into the Marvel cosmic side of things. Like I can with uh, I guess Guardians was the beginning of that, but then now you got Captain Marvel and then you got the Internals down the line. Yeah, and all and that way, all the work with the Kree, you figured now would be the time to talk about. Now the would have been perfect, <laughs> uh, yeah. but. That's that's uh they've been sacrificed, I guess. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the BAMF. Let's talk about one of the men early one of the earliest uh castings for this film. Let's talk about Samuel L. Jackson playing Nicholas Joseph Fury, director of Shield, reprising his role from Iron Man One and Two. Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury signed a nine picture. Deal. I will say that again Jesus and even clearer Christ. if you need me to. Nine pictures. You know what that yeah, must be like? Yeah, but they're also like all cameos, basically. Day? But you know what it must be like? like? You have nine guaranteed paychecks. Like nine guaranteed off Nine the guaranteed rent. movies you're you in. You understand? Like, you ain't got to worry about it. It's going to be high budget. It's going to be, you know, well, blockbuster. From, like, from what I've heard, from what I've heard, I think those con- the way the contracts work is like you get signed to be available for nine movies. Okay. And they Actually, might yeah. then they might not use you for nine movies. Like the Dr. uh you know, Eric Selvig. 
Okay. He says uh, he says he signed a five movie deal, and he's been used for four. But it's up to them if they want to call him back or not okay. for the fifth one. Okay. So it's like. Oh, it's so it's weird. not consecutive movies. It's oh, you'll be in nine movies. Just they might be not for the next like four years. Or you, or you might not even be like we just want you. We just want you to sign so that if we need you for nine movies, if we make nine movies, because you know at, the, the, at this time who knew that they would be the. As a matter of fact, how many movies had he been in by Avengers one? Uh, three. Three. Well, so they like did they like I they might two. Yeah, like they could have. Oh no, Iron Man one for the cameo. Iron Man two, uh, two. Then it was Cap yeah. at the end. That was it. He wasn't. And in- they oh, it wasn't Thor. No, it was Coulson and Thor. Yeah. The MCU could have died, and and he would not have had the opportunity to be in the other four or five movies. And but the but he wouldn't have been a breach of contract because they only signed him just to make sure that he's available just in case. Yeah, another he- another another issue that people end up running into with that is the idea of um, uh, pricing. They can lock you in in nine movies for a set price, whereas I feel like after a while with these movies, people are able to negotiate for more. As you find out with Robert Downey Jr. and others, as um their careers continue. But uh, for those uninitiated, Nick Fury um that they're portraying is the Nick Fury from the Ultimate Marvel Universe, which was created in two thousand and really really looks like uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, On to, purpose. Yes, it was actually based on Samuel L. Jackson. Um, Samuel Jackson <laughs> then ended up hitting up Marvel like, "Hey, why does this guy look like me?" And they're all like, "Don't worry, if and when we do a movie, you got it, bro." And so, but he was he from what I heard, like he was like excited. Yeah, he's like, "Yo, this is me." <laughs> so have you ever seen an interview with Samuel L. Jackson? He is always excited about everything for some reason. Yeah, he seems like super chill. Like every movie, he's like he's always grateful to at least be in every movie he's in. Would you say was... that as of this movie, he was the most famous actor? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Mace. How many how many comic book franchises did he go? Th- uh, not comic. Sorry. I how many he also how many franchises this, did he go through? He also through? did your favorite comic book movie, The Spirit. By this time. <laughs> oh my <laughs> lord! Yeah, no, too. let's please um, no. But speaking of comic book movies, um, he like I said, he probably was the most famous actor at the time, and we didn't loved all his roles, but he admitted that one role sealed the deal. His role as Mister Glass. That's oh. what his role that sealed the so deal that he wanted to cast him. That's what got him the job? Yeah, man. Oh my I wish you could see me shaking my Mind head on you, this mic. Glass got him the job, not the fact that he is literally depicted as that in the comic book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was, you know? glass. It was glass. That, or maybe I was just a lot of, wanting to be a, like... A lot of the MCU seems to pull more from the Ultimate Universe than anything. But, um... <laughs> Like, it's I pretty cool, it, though. though. It's cool because it it gives you more. It it gets you to read comics you never thought you would read before. Who thought that they would ever pick up a Guardians of the Galaxy comic book before two thousand fourteen? Besides me. guys like besides <laughs> yeah. besides besides real like actual lovers of all things obscure. Like, were you reading? Were you reading the Star Hawk stuff though? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, yeah, well, well, when it came to Marvel Cosmic, <laughs> when, yeah. when it came to Marvel Cosmic, there was this long. Epic soap opera story uh, after story. Annihilation, uh, huh? Annihilation yes, and then Conquest yes. and then Four Kings and then uh, everything that was going on. Um, so when it came to Guardians of the Galaxy, they kind of spawned out of Annihilation. And I, I had already read everything this movie was like based off of. So when they announced Guardians of the Galaxy, even I was like, what the hell? That was, <laughs> like, a, sweet, that was a sweet spot, though. You're right. That, that story did push a lot of those characters into the forefront of a lot of people's yeah, mind. absolutely. Um, Ironically, the introduction, like, because they announced a movie, they, um, 
ended the story that the movie was inspired by and started a new one by Brian Michael Bendis that was not very well received <laughs> and and was not and this this was supposed to be like a, a synergy thing right, and right, people, right, yeah. people were like you know like you you took the story that the movie was inspired by you ended that and then you gave us something that nobody wants to see but like but um, that's just me going on a tangent <laughs> uh, no, no no you're right on that um, I was going to go plot for plot for the plot of this film, but I think that in speaking of the people, we, we kind of covered a lot of ground there. Um, so, uh, I'd like to ask, I guess, some questions. How do you guys feel about Ant-Man and the Wasp not being in this film, despite them being OG Avengers, and despite the idea that Josh Wheaton had, at one point, written a part for the Wasp, and then after the fact said that the inclusion of them would have made this film too crowded? I'll let Yogi he, start with how much he hated the whole. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'll let Yogi yes. start with the hatred, and then I'll piggyback onto that because we basically have the same to say the same thing. We spoke about this recently, actually, uh, off the air, I guess. Where, where I'm like, I was, I'm still not a fan of um, Scott Lang being Ant Man and the MCU. Rather than, um, I like they did bring it. They used Hank Pym as an old man and Janet. Is an old woman, you know, but, um, but, um, I was not a fan of that at all. Like, you, I know they wanted to, cause, cause I guess Scott Lang matches the, the, the style of the MCU more than any, the more than Hank Pym would. Hank Pym has a lot of troubles in comics that might not have been family friendly, you know, like there's the infamous slap of, uh, Janet. He slaps you his wife. You kind of see Michael Douglas's, <laughs> like, anger with Hank Pym. Like, you can see, like, you look at Michael Douglas playing Hank Pym, you're like, yeah, that's somebody that probably would slap his wife if she just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know? <laughs> Poor Catherine um, Zeta-Jones. So I was already... I'm already... I'm already on the boat that wanted... I wanted I wanted Hank Pym. I wanted him to be the one to create Ultron. I wanted Janet. 100%. I wanted Janet and Hank... I wanted Janet and Hank to have their little issues. And maybe Janet could have been a little flirtatious with Cap and, and Tony and... and I just I, I I need I wanted that, but that's that's the nerd in me that wants comic accuracy wherever it's possible. Like I would have loved to see Ant Man and Wasp in the uh, MCU Avengers lineup. Well, you're not you're not wrong about like being being a comic book being a comic book fan, and you you have a certain like image of who these people are because all you're getting is panels. You're not getting TV. You're not getting film. So if you know if you feel Bruce Wayne is A, B, and C. And someone like Zack Snyder comes and does X, Y, Z to your Bruce Wayne. You're going to be like, well, I mean, you gave me the movie. Couldn't you just go the extra mile and give us a little bit of accuracy? So I understand like there maybe there should be a little comic book accuracy sometimes. And I, I don't know. Zack Snyder's Bruce Wayne was pretty accurate, but let's not get into that. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, let's not get into that. I'm going to keep stirring uh, pots all day. <laughs> which, which actor do you guys think has grown the most after watching this film, looking back, and, and, and like, which one do you, do you feel? And I guess the real question is, when watching this film, which actors seem the least like how they are now? Like, oh, the, Chris like, Hemsworth for Furthest me. removed from how they acted, let's say, in Infinity War or uh, Endgame. Chris Hemsworth for me, straight Chris up. Chris Hemsworth? I guess Chris Helmsworth, yeah, Chris Helmsworth. Um, I want to say Cap too because he hasn't matured as much as uh, I, I, he hadn't matured as much as he has now. You know, like he's taking the leadership role and yeah. uh, well, so he's, he's not he's, being a leader. Oh, no, you, sorry, you go. 
Go ahead. But um, just like his confidence in himself in this new time, he's adjusted now. Yeah, like he's one. He's not orders. You know, he's doing. He's he's not the orders. A man. Yeah, he's not a man out of time anymore. You know. Yeah. Like Tony. Tony is always Tony. He's still the same. Hawkeye. We don't get enough of Hawkeye to know if there's something different about him. We just know he has kids now. Yeah. I think we've never gotten enough Hawkeye in any of these movies. And they always seem like they want to tease us with more Widow, but they don't give us enough. It's like if we don't like if they don't think we we trust them enough, like they, they don't trust us enough to buy a widow ticket. Or they want to give us something interesting, but they don't know what the most interesting part of it is, so they just keep teasing all of it. I like think all of her. Head. I think in a movie in a movie full of like superheroes and fantastical, wild, ultra pseudoscience stuff, that they think that the dude with the arrow and the chick with the guns are, are, don't need that much screen time. She will cock and I, guns, I think that they need more of it because they like. They should be our view. They should be like our viewpoint. Like we, we're normal people like them, yeah. And they're like on a team with like the freaking Hulk and Captain America, Super Soldier over here. Like we, they, they, we should. Uh, I would like to see them be our uh viewpoint as as normal people. But, oh, that's, yeah, that's what's beautiful about Hawkeye is he grounds us in reality a lot in Age of Ultron. He's the only man with both his feet in the doors of superheroism and family. Like you see, he's really one of the only men who you see the consequences to uh, to what the next action could be. He will lose his wife. He will lose his kids. Everybody else just seems like they'll just lose themselves. I mean, to be honest, now that, now that you guys are saying that, there is a bit of an arc in this because when you watch um, Avengers, the first movie, you see that where how far he's willing to go for Shield, and in the second movie, you see how far he's willing to go for his family. And in, in uh, Civil War, you end up seeing where that line comes in between Shield and his family. Where he's yeah, well, even to, the, uh, even uh, Scarlet Witch becomes you know, his family. Eventually, say like, I I'm down with Shield, but I'm not down with them poking their you know nose where my my business and my family, and him putting a line there. And then this will be him coming out of God knows what as Ronan. Um, and so, yeah, maybe he did get a little bit more of a fleshed out uh, arc than I give him credit for. I'm actually pretty. In in um, well, I mean, like, there's a scene in Age of Ultron where he's talking to Scarlet Witch and he's talking to her about how he's the guy with the arrows. Yeah. And it was just that one scene, though. Like, I want that to be. Him. <laughs> I needed him to be that, and I needed more of that. You know, that's just my thing, though. Yeah, yeah. Renner is perfect too. Renner is just. He just. I. I feel like he just. Even if I well, don't yeah. know enough about Hawkeye, I feel like I know enough about Renner to say, yeah, he's definitely perfect. I guess we're gonna get more of him in the mo- in his own show now. So this is all like pointless. Shit, I would get the, <laughs> I would get the DC uh, the DC, Disney plus. plus just for that that just for that TV show just for that Disney, and Captain Falcon. Disney Plus is kind of like a guarantee buy for me. <laughs> like I don't know six ninety nine a month. Come Especially on now. Six ninety nine a month. Star Wars shows, Pixar shows, Marvel shows, their entire vault. You know, <laughs> yikes! That's I mean, a that's a. Oh wait, does that mean that I get to watch Spectacular Spider Man? <gasps> no, no? I no? Sony, Sony, no? Sony. Got oh, I hate, I hate that's everybody. That's the reason why I can't play uh, Spider Man on my Xbox. B. I hate everybody. <laughs> but yeah, this. Film has a basic trajectory of, um, you know, like we said again, Loki got sent down by Thanos with the uh, with the Tesseract to go. I mean, sorry, with the Mind Stone to go get the Tesseract to open up the portal, right? To open up a gateway to let the Chitauri army up the space stone. in and um, open up a space, let the Chitauri army in through a wormhole and to destroy Earth. Uh, but it doesn't go too well because our Avengers finally get on point 
and um, are able to defeat him. But what I think it's funny is someone actually did an attack on New York body count. It stands at 151 bodies. That's uh, kind of that's, 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 that's not that bad. For okay, Manhattan? For Manhattan? Manhattan. That's so, Grand that of... Central Station, yeah, too. Yeah. They're, in, they're in... I know where they are. But at. it was like... There was a lot of, like, those giant Chitauri snake things, like, crashing into buildings those and whales, stuff. And, and it's the... It's, yeah, those giant whale creatures. Yeah. Like, the they... Transformer-looking creatures. They, they kind of crash into a lot of buildings in the middle of the day, and at that time they would be really populated. So I feel yeah, like no, this is Manhattan at like two o'clock in the afternoon on like yeah, a, on like a Wednesday. Right. But yeah, it's like uh, I feel like maybe there should have been a little more. <laughs> yeah. Maybe at least been in a a, a few hundred. <laughs> but um, it took Marvel three times with the MPAA to grant this film a PG thirteen instead of R rating because of the really? Agent Coulson death scene. Originally, oh. Loki's staff was going to be seen bursting through his chest. Instead, a gruesome sound effect was added after Loki appears behind him, and then a quick cut to Thor's reaction. And then the, the, they they still they they kind of had the blood on the on the sh- on the staff. So I I guess I can see where that happened. The yeah. damn! I wish I could have seen that. There's a lot of quick <laughs> cuts to Thor's reaction. Thor sees a lot of people die. He uh, does. He does see a lot of people <laughs> die. Now, my favorite Thor death reaction is when he saw his mother die. And he tries to throw the hammer at the guy, and he just it just doesn't hit him. He throws it mad hard and mad, like he just <laughs> runs, he runs out like runs at full speed and just fucking tosses it. And it just that you don't know where he's at, B. It's just gonna keep going. Like you can't you can't do nothing with it. Um, according to okay, so this is the big one. According to Joss Whedon, it was his decision fully outright to include Thanos in the post credit scene. He Good. for me Thank is you, the Josh most Whedon, powerful man. and fascinating Marvel villain. He is the great granddaddy of the badasses, and he's in love with I death. Did read this, yeah. And I just think that's so cute. Somebody oh has God. to be in control, and it had to be behind Loki's work. And I was like, oh, it's gonna be Thanos. Now that is that is good, and that's also a confirmation that we probably had with wondering was whether or not Josh uh, decided that. But I also believe that if it was Josh's decision that they didn't have this planned out as far as they did. Yeah, that's what I was wow, about. That's, that's, that's another a big confirmation. confirmation right there, yeah. That's another humongous confirmation. Thanos was never going to be the the three-phase-long big bad. Yeah, you know? that's what I'm saying. And like, it's always seemed to me, like, when I first saw the movie, I was like, oh, Thanos is going to be in the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> right. Little did I know, it'd be seven to six years and so before I... <laughs> it, it very much looks like... I mean, if you ask me, it very much looks like that he had the second movie, and they, you know, they did it with they did with with it what they were going to, and then he went. But I also still like Thanos, so I'm gonna put him in the end of that too. And he's clo- he's getting closer, guys. And when I make my next Avengers movie, which he ended up not doing, uh, we'll get him. And we did in the third Avengers movie, we did get Thanos. So was he ever? Was Thanos. he like? Was he supposed to be the trilogy Avengers trilogy guy? Yeah, or was like I think he was, was. I think he might have should have been at least. I can see been. that. I can see him being it on purely a quality control level. I'm really glad that it didn't end up that way. <laughs> no, the, Ru- the Russos needed to handle Infinity War. And credit where credits due, the Russos and um you know Marcus and McFeely, those writers, man, killing it um at mm-hmm. every point. even using James Gunn. James Gunn wrote all of Guardians lines and, and was a and creative that's consultant. Know, that's him knowing that audience and that and those characters. And so that confidence level that Marvel has now, man, is something I've never seen. The, the trailers for Endgame are barely trailers. And they've come out on multiple occasions like, oh yeah, none of that's in the movie. Like they, they're they're so nonchalant <laughs> with this, this the weight of this where 
to tell you the truth, it doesn't even feel like it's so close, but it is. And when it hits, when it when it hits, hits like when I'm sitting in the theater, you know and it's it gonna starts, hit when you see that. It's title. gonna be. I don't even know. I have no words. Like you know, then I it. This would be the culmination in a way that I've never seen before. I've ne- literally never seen. Before. And I'm glad and I, that we have all got a chance to live this lifetime where we could see comic book movies episodically. Yeah, like, and the thing is, is I, I actually would have thought something this epic, and again, not trying to throw shade, but I actually thought something this epic would have come from the DC side, just because of the longevity of those characters. Um, they've, exist- they've definitely were, uh, they were successful in the cinematic realm first. Right, but, and, uh, and to be honest, we don't know what a movie, what, what, what cinema and combos can be until we get Dark Knight, and that's a DC film, you know? And there are great moments and great things about Man of Steel. Great things that people are going to learn about Wonder Woman. Like, DC is still pumping out good content as far as comic book properties are concerned. And, and on their best days, they are incredibly accurate, incredibly heartfelt. Incredibly, but here's the thing, uh, too. It's like, epic. a lot of people are like, well, it's DC, it's DC. It's not DC. This is... It's Warner's. It's Warner's. Their problem up. is Warner Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that's the issue. DC is DC. The quality, the content is there. It is there. It's ready to be used. But uh, there are people that care more about their pockets than quality. <laughs> and, and we end up getting, as fans, we end up getting screwed. So, um, well, lately they've been, they've turned a corner and I think that they have found a successful formula, but, um, I don't want to speak too soon. Well, they so, can transfer uh, their formula from the CW shows to t- movies. Could, well, the thing there is that Jeff Johns and Greg Berlanti just kind of have almost free reign, you know, like, except for the, except for the, um, Except for when they know they have to address a certain demographic that watches CW, because you know CW is usually like for young. It usually was for like young women. Yeah, yeah. You know, like 100%. the channel was for that, so they know that even though, like, we're gonna give you as much comic book stuff as possible, but sometimes we do have to throw romance in here because your girlfriend is watching. Exactly. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. but um, they mostly have free reign to do what they know they can do with the characters that they have. So it ends up coming out so much better than when you're under a microscope by a dude, an executive who has a huge paycheck on the line, and it's it doesn't turn out too good. But like I said, they look like they've turned a corner with Shazam and Aquaman. So let's see what happens. And I wonder, like I said, we were talking about before, like. The idea that, oh, I like Thanos, so I put him at the end. Someone should be controlling all this. <laughs> you know, like, you want to talk about, like, a snowball going downhill, right? Like, now Thanos is the definitive villain of the three, of the three, where they're, they're trying crazily to connect every single film, no matter how, you know, on Earth or down to Earth it is, to the the uh, quest for the stones and the Infinity Saga and his uh, hunger for this, you know... Um, the 50, 50 resources and all this other kind of stuff. So, we didn't just throw in that. Like, that's just, I, it's so crazy to me that he could. And they didn't even. I, I kind of like him. And, and the thing <laughs> they didn't is, even use what he liked about that. That's what I'm he saying. Thought... Yeah, that's another big thing. The, the death thing. He says it yeah. in this, where he's like, he's fascinated. He's in love with death. And they use the line, you know, to, to fight them would be to court death. And he turns and he <laughs> smiles. He was he's playing got... into that. He was playing into yep. the Thanos that he knew. And they took that idea and ran with it past them and it's just crazy 
So you're saying that after this whole Infinity Saga, MCU might be getting a bit too big for their bridges. Like, I'm saying how that, are they going to top? This? I'm saying that I I think no, I, that, I think they could top this for sure. I Hell yeah! Could, I think could, the only way they could top it, in my opinion, is if they literally start from if they literally build it from the beginning. Because like I said again, That's... they got this far, they got all the way to Avengers without knowing who the big bad of the whole thing was. So well, if that they is know what's now, yeah, if they know now, Honestly. if they've started this, let's say there's hints in. Infinity War, and there's definitely gonna be hints in Endgame, and there's people that's already speculating that Endgame is gonna be like fifty percent Thanos, and they're gonna like beat and patch that all up in like fifty minutes, and then we're gonna get another threat or situation, and who knows? But there's definitely life after this, and but to think that um they were able to pick up the ball with the little bit that they did with Thanos to get us all the way to Infinity War has me very confident in what they're able to do with anybody literally going forward. I just know that they can top this because I know that there are larger things than Thanos out there. <laughs> you know, like, and now that they have they have control of all those things, I think they can absolutely top this. It uh, just depends on what happens next. I got full trust in them so far. I am a little worried when, when I look at uh, the Spider-Man trailer and everything's all happy-go-lucky again. But, um... <laughs> Do you trust these that, fans, trust though? Them. Do you trust the fans? I, I think fans the Marvel are, fans have been pretty tame. Like not it's like but the MCU has been pulling out more and more. The average mover goer is now following the rest of us. Like, okay. You, so if do you think we could trust that now that the average like the, the who was once an average movie goer is now somebody that's following MCU as a whole could potentially go to a new movie that doesn't have Captain America or Tony Stark? Yeah, I I think they've been conditioned to go from movie with Captain Tony to. Ant-Man. <laughs> they've been, they've been like, conditioned already. Yeah, I feel like the MCU's job is to convince you that you like ice cream. And wow, so, I like and that so analogy. I, with the various movies that they make are just different flavors. And so you're going to go to the ice cream thing. You're going to be like, oh, they don't have my flavor? Well, let me just try this flavor because I still like ice cream. True. And I think that that's, that's where they, their bread and butter is. That's a lot of food analogies. No, but you did it great with that one. Yeah, the MCU is ice cream and each movie is a flavor. Yeah. You know, at, the, at the same time, I feel like they need... They're gonna need a sprinkles. Hook. Okay, this this can't sprinkles. <laughs> you you're gonna need for this movie right here, with which has all the flavors, so to speak. Right. And um and it's it's gonna be an ending. Everybody knows that. But you need you need another hook because yeah. if this is an ending, you need a, you need people to have a reason to come back. You need you need something so big that it seems bigger than Thanos, and I still have to come back to watch the rest of these movies. What's that gonna be? I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. I know that a lot of people were thinking that they got the rights back to these characters like too late. Maybe they can't be in an end credit scene. But I remember that they shot the end credit scene for Avengers 1, what, like a week before premiere or something like that? Same thing with Spider-Man. I feel like that was also a very close cut. Like once they finally got the thing for Spider-Man, they were not only able to put him in, but without (laughs) no one's knowledge until they were ready to tell us, we didn't know. Exactly. Exactly. So I feel like I feel like they have made it been like a contingency thing. Well, you know, they have like, they have Fantastic Four, right? They've got Fantastic Four. They've got X Men. They might they might everyone. do Galactus and Silver Surfer as their next but, big thing. But that's what but, but they already the, yeah exactly the, the timeline that people are saying is that the deal did not go through until after Endgame was finished. Yeah, but but just, can you, so can you shoot something? You yeah. know, I think that be, they it, can. It'd be the, I it'd think be that the, they did. Yeah, it'd be like you driving a car 
when you drive in a car at 11 o'clock at night and your license expires, or your license goes into effect at midnight, if you keep driving and the license just lapses over, then you're in, you're in the clear. But if you get caught at 11 without it, you get in trouble. So can they put Fantastic Four and X-Men stuff in a movie without the licensing yet knowing that it would lapse? And get you know it would it would eventually get it. I feel like they might have. They would do some. It. They would do some right. low they, key stuff. I feel like, like they that. absolutely would have done it. Like, yeah. and then if the deal doesn't go through, they could just we'll scratch go, it. Yeah, we'll go this direction instead. I also so think that that you can also allude to things like a four or an X, and they don't have to be trademark. You know, and those things I think people know what those things mean. Yeah, you can but just I say I know a bald man in a wheelchair in New York that we can go to, and in, in yeah. the next movie, like yeah, stuff you don't like have that. To say anything if I. If you had to, if I had to guess what the next big thing is going to be, I would say it's going to be something cosmic. Obviously, I think that's almost obvious because that seems to be the direction that they're going right now. <laughs> like we're going to start focusing on uh, cosmic space stuff. So, yes. if if the next big thing is going to be cosmic, I would say Galactus or Nihilus. That's 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 what I think we're gonna, I think we're going to get an end credit scene that teases either of those two things. I, I know hope, some people thought I, hope. I don't because uh, I think um, with Captain Marvel and their use of the Kree, I think there was uh, there was I mean not the Kree the scrolls. There was something that uh, I don't remember the deal. I don't remember how this worked, and I don't remember what they did to be able to use the scrolls. But they were not able to use the scrolls back in uh, when Avengers One came no, you're, out. You're right because the scrolls are, are owned by Fox at the time. And the Chitari are the freaking scrolls. Like the Chitari are Ultimate Universe scrolls. So um, really, but they, I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, they are. Um, but now that they were in the movies, they made them into their own species. But they were originally Ultimate Universe scrolls. But there was a deal made that allowed Marvel to use the scrolls before this Disney Fox thing even went through. So we don't even know what, what they backhanded deals are doing. Yeah, on the table. yeah, we don't even right. know what they already had access to when they were shooting Endgame. So like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I feel like we're certainly gonna see something that it looks like they just got back, or they might have had it all this time. Just give <laughs> me, just give me Doctor Doom and Black Panther two. That's all I, I need that. That. <laughs> That's all I but I so. But as an overarching villain, because I know they said they're not going to do these long overarcs anymore. Well, but wait, wait, Eternals on the, wait, Eternals on the money. I wonder if they start to focus on the more the cosmic stuff. You know, like you. Yeah, will, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll take vacations to New York for Spider Man, and take vacations to Wakanda, and take vacations to the Sanctum Sanctorum. But for the most part, we'll be up there with. Uh, They'd be Guardian doing stuff comic book movies never really did before. And, stuff, yeah. and then, and then eventually, when it comes time for everyone to come back together, it's space people coming to Earth. Like, yo, it's about to go down. Yeah, you, can chase. You, got the, you have the legit yeah. um, cavalry. You can call the yeah. legit cavalry down. You want me to put the hammer down? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, last thoughts. Um, is this your favorite Avengers film? No. 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 Uh, well, okay. Yeah, so yeah. Here's, here's, here's here's my thing, right? Um, it was. <laughs> it absolutely was. And then Infinity War came out. Yes. <laughs> so Infinity now there's that. Out, right? I liked it uh, more than in, I liked I liked Age of Ultron more than the first one, honestly. Oh, no, didn't I? I'm not. No. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm, okay, I'm not gonna, a fan. Of I'm gonna sit here. Listen, man. I, they took I me. They the had me. Oh. No. They sold me with that first opening, that that fight against Hydra in in in, in like Siberia or wherever they were. All of that was See? dope. 
Yeah, I know what you mean. Like that giant, that scene where like that flat, that uh, wide shot where they're all like going through the forest and Cap's well, on even the just that trailer shot, just the fact that like Thor and 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 Cap were just talking to each other normally. Like, hey, so what are you doing after work? I'm probably gonna get a beer. Uh, let's uh, let me bang your hammer real quick. Bam, and like that is awesome because you see like the. Well, you say you're saying that you that you got from Age of Ultron what you didn't get from Avengers. Yeah, a lot of a lot of what I wanted out of the Avengers, I got in Age of Ultron, but Infinity War is still my favorite. You could even get that in in Avengers One though, because we got we we have to establish the fact that they don't know each other and they have to meet. No, that's why. That's why I'm now that I'm more older. Now that I understand actual narrative and storytelling, and that I understand that the MCU is doing something more than we even understand, I I respect Avengers for what it is, and it is the birth of all of these crossover films. Without the Avengers, we couldn't have half the half the MCU properties we have. Because all of that ambition paid off. Avengers is still my top five, though. Don't get me wrong. It's just that uh, Infinity War kind of snuck in and took its place right there. Like it was, uh, it was Civil War. It was a uh, Winter Soldier one, Civil War two, Avengers was three. In the same and, way that you have the people say, like, um, the best Fantastic Four movie is The Incredibles. I'm going <laughs> to say that the best Avengers movie is Captain America: Civil War. Yeah, that's um, my favorite. Right. Damn it, I got to. That's my favorite I, movie I mean, with guess... the Avengers in it, but it's not an Avengers movie, so don't get it twisted. I'm not. No, saying it's a that Cap story with an Avengers is, setting. Is is, is is valid? I'm just saying that when I went like that, that's my like that's when I think like if I had it my way, honestly, honestly, and this is I, this is just my opinion, you could delete Iron Man three and. Age of Ultron and just slip Civil War right over to the side and uh, keep it as is. Make Age the Sokovia thing happen off screen. Make Sokovia happen <laughs> off screen. Save Ultron because Ultron's a crazy villain and I don't think that they used him to the level that I wanted him to be used to in that film. That's no, probably, made him like a one-off that's probably my crux of that is that I felt like he would be this emotionless Terminator-esque thing and he was absolutely the opposite of that. He was That's the way it was supposed to be. You know, like, stuff. okay, I'm built to protect the Earth and it turns out I have to protect it from its own people. You know, like that thing. Yeah, but, yeah like uh, the one we got up, in Earth's Heroes. It ended up being Robo Tony Stark. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> I'm like, it was a little weird. But James Spader, uh, man. James Spader is um, always a win. At least yeah, to my I mean, point. I was just my. I don't. I liked Age of Ultron as a movie. I enjoyed it. I didn't. It was nowhere near the top of my list, though. <laughs> it's like I still put Avengers one way before that. It was just that everything about like Avengers one is special. You know, like that was nothing like today. Today we're used to stuff like this, right? It's been how many years, right? But at the time, Avengers one was no, something yeah. special. Like wow, this and I and I, and I, I thought it was gonna be the end. Like I said, I thought it was like the end of the story. But but um, it was like we've never seen something where I like watched five different movies in theaters, and now I'm coming to the theaters to see these five franchises come together. Like it was wild. It was absolutely. It was special to me, and I'm, I'm, and it, that's what keeps it in my top five, probably forever. Speaking of special, let's talk that Avengers theme. How do you guys? Oh man! Okay, so here's my here's my thing. Okay, so when it comes to music, right? Uh, for the first for 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 the first two films, like DC had it because like I'll go back, I'll listen to the Man of Steel soundtrack, I'll listen to the BVS Tom soundtrack. Zimmer, that's Hans, yeah, exactly. That's Hans Zimmer, man. I'll that's... listen. To, I'll listen to Dark Knight. You know, uh, Marvel doesn't have that. Even now, like Marvel doesn't like you. They they 
little like maybe cap kind of has a theme that doesn't really get used but the only recurring music that gets used is that avengers theme that's the only that's the only music i know from the marvel movies everything else is probably really generic and forgettable well the thing is is that (laughs) that avengers theme is really the score for all of the movies in a sense is that 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 trumpet, the the percussion. I, I had a bit of a I had a bit of a senior moment uh, today. I was I was rewatching clips of Avengers again today after watching it twice and commentaries and all that kind of stuff on it. And I finally realized something. For a very long time, I thought it was just an odd stylistic choice that the font of the Avengers is not the same font as the other films. I thought it, I actually thought the main reason was they were trying to downplay the fantastical nature of that font i guess the arrow and the circle and all that so i kept thinking to myself that's why they're doing it that joss whedon is doing this first film and that's why the avengers logo looks like that you know how it turns yeah and whatever and it's just regular just a regular Times font. Roman 12 yeah it's just a regular font in silver there's none of that stuff that we see in the in the future iterations my dumbass didn't realize that that A is the A, the font of the A on the building, the Stark Tower building. Yeah. 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 What? And so, and so the sunlight, the sunlight is being reflected off of the building as the as the name was was turning. It's supposed and to so be a sun, sun shining on a new been, day. Those who did know it is not, are now they're now uh, you know they're now um, justified. And those who didn't know it now you can act like me and like we've known it this entire time. But that, a, but that A, yeah, that's exactly what that is. That A is the A from the building and not the A from the Avengers, which makes a lot more sense. Because I was like, what? That A looks kind of weird and it stands out differently than everything else. But that is that. And so I guess with that quite, with that statement, here's the question. Is there anything you noticed in this rewatch that you hadn't initially? Talking about the letters on the building, I noticed when each of them fell off. I didn't Oh, they I fell off one by that. one? Yeah, no, I didn't catch in the in the first with well, the first watch or maybe even the second watch too. I didn't I didn't really see when it happened. I just kind of they just came back to the building and it's been a giant battle. So all that's left is in, is like a A and you know yeah. like a cartoon with the letters like blinking, bam, bam. It's kind of right, you know whatever's left. But you but I actually did notice this time like each and every, when each and every letter was knocked off the building and I was like oh, okay, <laughs> that's just a small thing. But that's something I didn't notice until I watched it this time around. Okay. Uh, oh, oh! Eyes. Hey, one more thing before, but there was this scene, you know, on the on the helicarrier where Tony is trying to figure out how Bruce Banner keeps it calm, and he's like, uh, "How do you do it? How do you do it? You know, how do you do it?" And he's like, uh, "I don't remember what else he said, but I do remember that he asked if he had a big, if he carries a big bag of weed around." And oh I'm God. like, "Yes, yeah." And I'm like, "It just made me think, like, he should if he doesn't. He probably has CBD. Know? He probably has CBD oil. We don't know." No, he needs the full-on THC. The dude that. has... He's got issues. So, like... Um, yeah, that was one thing I noticed. But go ahead. Sorry to the interruption. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. It, it, um, whenever Loki's Mind Stone Scepter touched Selvik or uh, Hawkeye, I never noticed that, one, their whole eye... I, the first time I watched it, I thought their eyes were just black the whole time that they were yeah. taken over. Because I've only seen it once before having to rewatch it last year to prepare for Infinity War. Yeah. So I always, in my memory, it was their eyes were like this navy blue black. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice that their eyes went black and like it went in. You see the blackness go into their actual pupils. Yeah. And then it goes back. And then when their eyes are changed, it's the space stone. It's it's a worm. Oh, yeah, their, their eyes are a wormhole. Yeah. In space, it's so awesome. Like I never awesome. noticed that little subtle detail. 
Um, I guess I also, like I said, I didn't realize um, that they gave him a stone to go get a stone. <laughs> yeah, um, you told me that the other night. Don't realize, I also <laughs> didn't realize how close Thanos was to this operation. You know? Like, he was very much the next guy in line to the other who's the person who's reporting about Loki. You know, he very much gave him this scepter. He very much gave him this army. And you see him use the Chitauri army in Infinity War, uh, Thanos does. Um, so I didn't realize, like, how much in this plan of this conquering of these stones that Thanos was already in by 2012. Um, that all of this was already in motion and all that. And there's also a scene of where Tony is, um, he's doing the wormhole thing. But the way it's shot is like it's following him through our sky, and then he just disappears. Oh, yeah, that was sick. And I, I was love like, that. "Oh I love that. wow!" I was like, "I never." Maybe I was closing my eyes or something like that the first time I saw that. But I was like, hey, "It's a blink and you miss it." Like, yeah. legit, it legit. Just how he just disappears and goes into that whole other world. I thought was amazing. And oh, I guess um, uh, thematically something I didn't realize is that. Remember, I told you about that conflict that Cap and Iron Man had about the whole jumping on the grenade thing. Yeah. A lot of the reason why Cap does that, is able to jump on the grenade, is because he believes in people. And he believes that if he jumps on the grenade, it will be for the betterment of people who will then do better things for their lives and stuff like that. Um, so every life is precious. Tony Stark has a real hard time trusting people. And it's funny that he does jump on the grenade, but the only reason why he lives is because his teammate, the Hulk, grabs him from that fall mid fall you remember how he like he like jumps in the air a couple buildings grabs him in midair and then like uh tackle takes all the brunt of the fall on his own back the hulk does yeah and then lets tony stark down so it was the team that allowed him to then jump on the grenade to then through the through the safety net that is the avengers he was able to do the tightrope walk and even if he fell his team was still going to catch him so he can now have the faith that he can always be the guy to jump on the grenade because the rest of the team is going to be there. And Which I, he I didn't realize that. With. I hadn't realized that the first time I watched it. I'm like, wow, if that's what they meant, beautiful. If it's not, then hire me because I could put that in one of your movies. You know Man, you many times <laughs> I say that every time I watch these damn mo- any damn movie, I'm like, yo, just hire me already because I'm just doing it better than you can. I, I, there's also, there's like a very, very small thing I noticed too. It's like super small, but the sound that the wormhole makes. It's okay. the exact. It's the. It's the same sound that the oh, infinity stones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stones. yeah, yeah. Spe- speaking of that, the stone. What I noticed is the. St- uh, yes. Uh, what was it? Yesterday I watched it, or two days ago when I watched it with you, George. It was um, when when Cap and all of them were arguing with each other on the helicarrier, you hear like this whistling hum, and everyone grabs the. Everyone just grabbing their head at different points. You see, at one moment, Tony Stark is rubbing his hands on his forehead. Another moment, uh. Uh, Banner takes off his glasses and rubs his eyes. You see the Mind Stone actually messing with them, and that is. I just noticed that. Yeah, it's subtle. It's subtle direction. You blink and you miss it the whole time that they're arguing on the helicarrier. Yeah, you hear that kind of like you hear the humming in the background, and you see each of them at different points in the scene rub their face. So you see the Mind Stone messing with them. I love. I like that's that's the subtle details of a director that you blink and you miss it. I do love the rewarding nature of these rewatches. I do yeah. think that because of its, its its connectivity. It makes you respect the film that, a lot more. Yeah. And this film was the first one to do that, to so be honest. I would like this to thank Avengers you guys film... for making me actually like this film because I hated this film before this. This. Is, this Avengers film was our first Scooby Snack. It was our first reward for watching those other four or five movies in succession. It was our reward for um, 
connecting those dots and having those characters. Even though Josh Whedon didn't want any connectivity with outside characters in this film. He did not want Jane Foster. He didn't want Selvig or um, what or Pepper Potts. Uh, Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. had to beg for Pepper Potts. And then you get Pepper, Selvig. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that. I'm sure Feige was like, no, no, no. Don't but forget it, who it's runs like, the it's ship It's like, here. why would you do the Avengers <laughs> movie with no connective tissue? That doesn't make any <laughs> no, sense. No, that, that doesn't make any sense. And that, that doesn't that, make any so sense. So I'm glad we have guys like Selvig and yeah. that we had Pepper Potts in there. And so you get, you get, um, you get rewarded for that. And this is... this. We're doing this to get our biggest reward ever, our biggest bittersweet uh, moment ever, which is us uh, watching and then covering Avengers Endgame as part of this podcast. So I am extremely excited for that. But uh, I guess I want to say, is there anything you guys want to say about the first Avengers movie before we wrap things up? Uh, no, just uh, honestly, thanks for the opportunity of making me watch this movie in a different way because I did watch it last year uh, for like I was watching bits and pieces and clips to prepare for Infinity War, to see what I was remembering. Mm -hmm. And I was finding myself respecting what this film was. But it wasn't until I watched it with you that I, that I, and I remembering everything about Civil War and Infinity War that I'm like, damn, this movie gave birth to some of the best comic book movies of all time. So, and in truth, this movie is the mother of some amazing comic book properties that we'll probably never see again. Right. So thank you guys for the opportunity for me to to actually like not not be a contrarian here, even though I even though there's a lot <laughs> of flaws. There was a lot of flaws in the movie, but not going plot for plot helped me not talk about those flaws. Just everything I loved. Well, yeah, I mean, when it comes to superhero movies, I guess compared to like these these ultra prestige cinematic endeavors, you know, like they're gonna be flaws. But um, as for what I have to say about Avengers, I'm more just happy. You know, you hear a lot of people say they're happy to be alive in this time. And it's kind of like become a joke. But I'm legitimately happy to be alive in a time where a movie like Avengers made it easy for someone like... Well, I, mean, well, I, I don't want to be like... I, I was never someone to hide my nerddom, so yeah. to speak. You know, I wear it on my chest like a badge of... Like, like a badge of honor. But, um... For 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 younger kids like in the '60s, we get bullied and beat up for enjoying yeah. these type of things. And like now, we live we live in an age where you you you're weird if you don't know what's going on. Basically, like, yeah. You know? you know, and I'm very I'm so happy to be alive in that era. And now leading into Endgame, which is something that probably has never been done in like cinematic history. You know, you've got other franchises with like 20 films, you know, like James Bond or whatever, but but one connected 22 film long interconnected narrative coming to an end and like with the anticipation of the entire world behind it. I'm very happy to live in this era. Definitely. I, I'm, I'm also incredibly grateful. I think that um, this method of storytelling is incredibly rewarding. I, I It's probably one of the most rewarding cinematic uh franchises I've ever had i loved pirates and that kind of fell off the hill uh Star potter, for me potter was kind of great and then it kind of started getting off into the weeds people had their issues with star wars star trek uh professional wrestling um, all the great fandoms i feel like um, have their golden eras and people are going to remember this era of marvel and people are going to remember the avengers movie for being you know again no, no offense but the justice league movie you know the superhero team movie um, the one that's going to set the, the blueprint for very, for 
many years to come. And it's a balance of humor. It's a balance of action. It's 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 human characters. It's heart. It's spectacle. It's uh, a, a hell of a villain. Um, it's Easter eggs. This movie gave us all that and the post credit. And this is now the the formula for. You know, I don't think we're ever gonna see something like Phase One of the MCU for a very long. I don't want to say ever again because time is very long, and yeah. I'm not gonna be around forever. But as far as I know, in my lifetime, I don't think I'm ever gonna see a Phase One of a comic book series ever again. But I'll tell you this. Oh, go ahead, brother. No, I was gonna say I don't. Uh, I don't know how much longer it has left, though. I That's my worry. Like that, this is about to be the end of the only because we've never seen bubble. something this long before. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah maybe like that's really. why we're scared because we haven't seen something that's almost fifteen years. Fifteen <laughs> years, guys! Like, but, holy crap! But hopefully, you know, it does have some gas. I, I just know this one thing: I am tired of speculating. I am tired of talking. I am tired of thinking and trying to do my math and looking back at clips. I am tired of seeing 30-minute ad spots and trailers. I'm tired of it. Let's get to the end game. We're finally here. This is the last podcast, the last Major Issues podcast in the world without the debut of Avengers Endgame. And uh, if you guys want to go back and listen to all the other episodes of the Major Issues podcast, first of all, thank you for listening to this one. But uh, you can go and do that by searching the Major Issues podcast wherever podcasts are found. That's on Podbean, Podcast, uh, podcast Addict, Stitcher, the Apple Podcast app that's available on all iDevices. Just look for it. It's already there. But the quickest and easiest way to find us is to just Google the Major Issues podcast and we're the first result that pops right up. Um... And uh, we're part of Podbean, so that's the first app that they kind of want you to download. But we're literally available everywhere. Uh, Last Tune FM, Showbox, and I know that we're on um, YouTube as well. And Spotify. Yeah, Spotify, Google Play. I'll be forgetting. We are, we are literally so on so many different platforms. But, um, yeah, try to reach out to us. Um, and if you guys want to uh, get your opinions expressed on the show, there's many ways to reach us. If you look in the show notes, uh, you can reach us at comicbookclick at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter at MajorIssueCBC. You can reach us at facebook.com slash comicbookclick, Instagram at comicbookclick, or use the hashtag comicbookclick to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We have um, a litany of reviews from comic books, television, and movies, and we will be here. A year ago, our highest uh, rated, one of our highest rated episodes was the Infinity War therapy session episode. And we will be having a therapy session episode for Endgame because I know people going to need that couch. People going to need to lay down. They're going to need answers. They're going to need to talk it through. And we're going to be here for you. So make sure that you're listening and make sure you're subscribing. And if you got a chance, please leave us a review on iTunes because it's the quickest way for us to find out how we're doing as podcasters and how to grow our audience. Um... But thank you guys so much. Thank both of our um, my co-hosts so much because oh, this is this has legitimately guys. been a journey, and we're gonna reach an, an incredible uh, fork in the road next week. And I am excited to have taken that journey uh, with you guys. But my name is George Serrano, aka the Don. I am Dan, the comic book man. It's Jonathan, aka Yogi. And it doesn't matter if you're a hulking green rage monster, if you're some sort of super souped up. Soldier Boy Scout, if you're a god of hammers and mischief, a Russian nesting doll of deceit, a genius billionaire playboy philanthropist, or just Hawkeye. Remember. <laughs> oh, man. Re- <laughs> <laughs> remember that we assembled. 
Remember that we survived the age of Ultron. Remember that we're still here after the Infinity War. And remember we're in the end game now. We are the Click, and you, yes you, are